What up fuckers, and welcome to the One Up Pod, your favourite video gaming podcast. And if it's not your favourite, what's your fucking problem? <laughs> anyway, sorry, I'm needlessly aggressive for this time on a Sunday. I'm Andy, your host for this month, and I am joined by Becky. Hello. Bash. Hey up. And in case you missed our last episode, Chip is taking a mental health break from the show. But fear not, we will have Chip with us in spirit, in the form of some exciting new guests. So introducing this month's fake Chip, Orange. Hello. So Orange is a longtime friend and supporter of the podcast, and she also does some excellent Twitch streams. So welcome to the pod, Orange. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. I'm beyond excited. You have no idea. At least that's one of us. <laughs> I d- Andy, oh, that that's horrible. I'm sorry. I was meant to articulate the word all oh, jaded by the podcast process. I thought it sounded like I was just being an asshole. <laughs> We're very excited to have you with us. We are very excited to have you, yes. Yeah, legit. That's not... I... Oh, I'm, I'm talking a lot in this episode and it's going so well so far. Whew. Anyway, so I feel like we're like that SpongeBob meme with just like chaos written over the top of it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so this month we are taking an extensive look at the legacy of arguably gaming's greatest icon, Super Mario. Before we talk Super Mario, let's talk about our fairly super selves. How are we all doing? And more importantly, what have we been playing? Uh, okay, not more importantly. That sounds terrible as well. Uh, just more relevant to the show, I guess. Are you just on a mission to be mean to all of us today? <laughs> Apparently, I did Andy's not mean it. Andy's us. <laughs> I'm sorry. What we've been playing is more important than what we feel. Obviously. It's the first yeah. time you're gender outnumbered and you, you've really I am, I'm being yeah. ganged up on and I'm just defensive, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, just throw it to Becky first. How are you doing and what have you been playing? Well, you know, not that you care, but I'm doing okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> I, guess that's, I guess that's fine. <laughs> I have been playing uh, Greedful. Or more accurately, I was playing Greedful and then I stopped because it wasn't very good. <laughs> I've tried playing it once before and I saw it on my list and I thought, no, no, I'll give it another go, you know, take it a bit longer. And it's very heavily Bioware RPG influenced. So I was like, I should like this. I've just finished playing Mass Effect. You know, I miss Dragon Age. Let's give it a go. And it's just really like, it's just really shoddy. Like the world's really interesting. It's kind of this like 17th century piratey type, which, you know, gets my interest going. But the gameplay is really janky, the combat's really boring, and all of the side quests are like, you run to talk to this person, and then you run to talk to this person, and then you run back to talk to the person that you were initially talking to, and then you talk to the person that you were talking to before, and they direct you to talk to a different person, and then you talk to that person, and then they send you back to the original, and oh, it's just like, I, just I give that. me a fetch quest. <laughs> please (laughs) i just want to go get a bauble from a thing and fight a monster and the main story quest wasn't that interesting and the companions were really boring and there was just lots of like jank to it like so you can romance and obviously i love a good romance so i was like i'm gonna romance the the sea captain because he's all piratey and he's got face tattoos and he's really cool and i get to the the romance scene and they go to kiss my character's face just comes straight through the other character's face. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was like, ugh. And, and then, like, they collapse onto the bed, but they're both still wearing, like, their full armour and just, like, <laughs> merging into one kind of amorphous character blob. And I was like, oh, wow, no. this is not very sexy. 
and yeah and i think that that was the moment the spell was ruined for me when i saw my character's like looming kiss face come through the back of the head of the sailor person so i can't recommend greedful oh that sounds like that movie society like the end bit where they're all like shoving their hands in each other in weird places (laughs) that movie traumatized me as a child yeah but at least that was intentional like this was obviously supposed to be a big sweeping romance thing and they, they became conjoined twins for like 30 seconds it was very bizarre sounds like it's about as sexy as the uh the scene in heavy rain where you have to do like the <laughs> oh, quick <God>. time events <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i think i would have preferred a quick time event i'd have at least been distracted by buttons rather than whatever the hell horror was going on on screen oh no and I'd like, I thought I was like, oh, maybe this is just my game. So I YouTubed it. No, no, that's just how it is. Excellent. Love a well-functioning game. I know. So, uh, Bash, how about you? Which question? Both? Both of them. Yeah, okay. I mean, mentally, pretty all right. Physically, absolute dog shit, as we know. Um, almost exactly four weeks ago now, I slipped two discs in my back. So I've been off work. Ooh. And laid up in various varying degrees of agony but 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 it turns out those who have been listening to the podcast last sort of two or three big episodes will have sort of listened to my dwindling like i don't think i like video games anymore maybe again like i even stopped (laughs) playing final fantasy what i'm saying is it turns out that when you're put on like rest when you can do literally nothing but actually just rest i'm back playing games we found the spark lads yay Um, not only have I started dipping my toe ever so tentatively back into the Final Fantasy world, which, you know, feels good. It feels correct. I actually played a game to completion. Like, oh my god. I played Borderlands. <laughs> Ooh. Like, the Ooh. original Borderlands. It's Borderlands 2 is, like, long been one of my favourite first-person shooters. Actually, probably one of the only ones I like, full stop, to be fair. Not my genre. And I'd bought the Game of the Year edition heckin' ages ago at this point for like five pounds in a playstation sale or something and i was like ah sod it i could i can play them through like this will be fine and i'll tell you what it was fine i enjoyed doing shooty bang bang at no point did i ever really understand what was happening (laughs) like the plot is sparse it is sparsely explained to you at any given point but I did do every side quest and I enjoyed just being surprisingly adept at killing, at shooting, at things. Um, <laughs> one thing I thought was genuinely really interesting, which it could be because I've been playing JRPGs for such a long time, where if you're doing things on level, you can actually like expend yourself and do things a bit over level. And um, Borderlands is not like that. Mm. If you're doing it on level, you're under leveled. <laughs> like... <laughs> Unless you want to like it to be savage for yourself, which is weird as we all know, that's not how I play games. Um, which mm-hmm. is how I ended up doing all the side quests because honestly, I needed the XP. And even with side quests, I never ended up more than like two, three levels maximum above the story. Like it's clearly very purposefully built and designed that you cannot get at any point overly overpowered. And because it's a loot system for like your weaponry and things rather than you know like if you're buying stuff off the board yeah there's a chance it might be something legendary but generally it won't be there's no way for you to game around it basically it's just proper rng in terms of what weapons you might get i quite liked that as well to be fair it meant that i had like a level 19 shotgun right the way through to like level 40 (laughs) because it was just my favorite thing ever it was great the driving though (laughs) piece of fucking shit 
the driving <laughs> is. I have, I feel like I have actual trauma from having to drive in this game. So I believe they're what's known as the halo controls. Yeah. This happened in driving and just in general traversing, to be fair. You would just get stuck on terrain. That made no sense as to why you'd be stuck on it. It'd be like, oh, this massive, like, four by four, like, monster truck thing is stuck on that tiny little rock. Like, <laughs> tiny, tiny little rock. <laughs> and you'd be like, oh, this makes no sense. Several times I got turtled in the vehicle because I'd be going on a, <laughs> on a straight line and I'd hit something that was clearly had a hitbox designed bigger than it actually was, and I'd be flipped over, and then you're upside down, then you're just stuck upside down, you can't do anything. Like, it doesn't respawn. You're like, cool, guess I'll, guess I'll just run then. Piece of shit. So annoying. But I have to say, of all the driving-related things that annoyed me the most in this game, it was the time where that I'd actually kind of gone off the side of a cliff. <laughs> I hadn't meant to. I'd gone forwards instead of backwards. <laughs> um, but it had stayed on the side of the cliff. And I was like, right, it's fine. I climbed out. I skyrimmed it up to the top bit. And I just went and found a respawner. I ran to a respawner. And I was like, oh, I pressed the button to like, it will just teleport you to the driver's seat. Now you can see where this is going. What it did was it teleported me back to the driver's seat of the vehicle off the side of the cliff. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Rather than... <laughs> to the seat of a car in the spawner where I was stood. No. So I had to oh, run gosh. all the way back again <laughs> oh, no. to respawn a vehicle and just be like, just like burning with furious rage <laughs> as I did it. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> really enjoyed getting to kill King Poo Poo after that, which is, <laughs> you know. Like, why not? It's Borderlands. It has got, like, absolutely infantile sense of humour. Mm. It's stupid. And it's just, it was exactly what I needed, you know? I did try one of the DLCs, and it is buggy as shit, so I don't think I'm going to bother with the other two, because I can't imagine they're much better. Which is a shame, because to be fair, aside from those things I discussed, which also, it's quite an old game, so it could just be accidental bad design features, like, shit like that. Yeah. Mm. Rather than the DLC, which was actively buggy. I can't see why not, but yeah, I weirdly do recommend Borderlands if FPS, if you like them, but like the sense of humor, you do have to find a way of getting over it. And the way you do that is by shooting everything in the face. <laughs> so Great advice to live by. I love it. Yeah. That's very Sasha. Yes. <laughs> and Orange, despite my horrible intro, how are you and what have you been playing? I'm really good, thank you. That's good. I am genuinely happy. I am not being. Uh, I'm just gonna. Are stop. you sure? <laughs> uh, no, I'm. I'm really good, and it's uh, for actually partially because of what I have been playing. So there's two games I actually played yesterday. So I will. I will go with those since that's the most recent. Because I stream multiple things at the same time, and it's a bit of a nightmare. But yes, uh, yesterday I played a little Gator game. And I can't say the word little properly, so it's really hard to say lil, lil, gator <laughs> game. <laughs> anyway, I played little gator game, <laughs> little gator game yesterday. You're doing and... really well. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and um, it's it's literally a delight. That is the, the best way I can sum it up. It's an adorable little game where you play as a little gator who I called Glonk because takes huge inspiration from Zelda mm. and I couldn't call him Lonk because he's a gator so I called him Glonk because I thought that was the next best thing <laughs> and you just potter around this little island with your friends basically you're trying to win over your sister to play with you like you used to play when you were kids and it's got 
so many references to other games in it, which was me being a super old gamer, you know, for 30 years I've been playing video games, so it was nice to pick up on things and be like, oh, I know what that is. And it was just really cute. It's, it's, it's adorable. If you want something that's not very long, super chill, it's a really nice little game just to just to spend a Saturday afternoon playing, which is what I did. I can't recommend it enough for people who just need something relaxing and no, no stress. You can't die or anything, you know, it's... It's one of those kind of games where it's just really easy to play. Flip side of that, I spent yesterday afternoon playing Dead Island 2 with my partner Peachy because... Quite the shift. <laughs> it is quite a shift, yes. Yeah. Um, Dead Island 1 obviously came out, I think, about 12 years ago. So it's been a long time coming for the sequel. It's been in development hell, <laughs> literally. But Dead Island 1 is one of the first games that me and Peachy ever played together in the early stages of our relationship. I say play together, we didn't play it co-op, we played it with one controller between us and we just swapped. So you did a mission, you swap. You die, you swap. We kind of did it like that. Or if you're Peachy, you panic, throw all the weapons away, get killed, and then give Orange the controller to basically save us both. That's what happened. <laughs> this sounds like my approach to games, so yeah, yeah. I approve. <laughs> so the first Dead Island meant a hell of a lot to us. We did a cosplay from it because why not? I cosplayed as a zombie, which coined a phrase amongst our friends, hello, this is zombie, because we took a picture in a phone box together. <laughs> because <laughs> why wouldn't you and yeah it's a it's a big part of the early stages of our relationship so for the sequel we never thought it was ever going to come out it has come out miracle and yeah. you know what yes it's not great yes it's clunky and the story is probably just as interesting as the first game but it's freaking fun <laughs> you know <laughs> you are walking around the desolate streets of la or affectionately called in the game hell-a and you just like smash zombies faces and it's just a lot of fun you know you've got weapons you can customize as per the original so we have a machete that has electric power so you literally electrify the enemy as you take the head off and it's it's just ridiculous we're playing <laughs> we're playing as a guy called jacob and he's from London, bruv. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. we were going through the characters and Peachy was fell, fell for the Irish lady. But then as soon as he opened his mouth, I went, we, we have to. We've, we've got to be the London, bruv guy. Come on. <laughs> he's going to quip all throughout the game with like silly little London isms and English comments. And he genuinely does. He's used like a few Geordie references and things. It's it's. It's terrible, but it's funny. So yeah, I do recommend it. I mean, don't go into it ever expecting it's going to be a masterpiece. It's not. It's stupid zombie fun. And if you share it with someone else, it will make it more fun. We are, of course, playing it the exact same way that we played the original with one controller, <laughs> swapping <laughs> when we die, and just like, yeah. Peachy did a classic on me yesterday in the fact that she did most of a mission, but then we came up against a boss and she just threw the controller at me and went, your turn. And I was like, of course, <laughs> of course, it's my turn. Why not? I love it. <laughs> this has been us. Uh, I think a classic moment from history for us was when we played GTA uh, 4. She used to do a sniper mission and then at the getaway part, just give me the controller. No pausing, <laughs> no nothing. Drive a car into a wall. Give me the controller when a car is surrounded by police. 
I get arrested and then she takes the controller off me sighing going oh I've got to do the sniper bit again now and I'm like what just <laughs> happened what was the last like two minutes I don't understand <laughs> um, yes that's what I've been playing there you go yeah, I've been playing Dead Island, well, a little bit Dead Island too. <laughs> Just started it. I, I am enjoying it as well. And I am playing Jacob. Uh, yes! So, so he just seemed ridiculous, like in the kind of way that, I, yeah, this, I, could, I just want to see how they write this character. <laughs> <laughs> That's not left me disappointed yet. London bruv. <laughs> He's a good boy. <laughs> He's so super London. He is. I've also been playing... A, well, I've been playing a lot of fucking Mario games. That's for one thing. <laughs> uh, we'll Wonder get into why. that later. <laughs> uh, I, just, I want to talk about a little game called Ravenous Devils. Mm-hmm. It's a little management sim with a violent twist. Uh, you play this this couple who've recently found themselves the new owners of a pub and an upstairs tailor's in Victorian era London. And the thing with this couple is they're both murderous psychopaths. So the man works upstairs in the tailor's while the woman runs the pub. And the deal is whenever a customer comes into the tailor shop to get a fitting, you can murder them. Uh, take their clothes so you can like refashion them into high fashion and like sell them off again and then you dump the body down a shaft it falls into the kitchen of the pub downstairs and then the woman can turn the dead bodies into various types of meat <laughs> to like cook and serve in the pub so it's, <laughs> it's like sweeney, sweeney todd. todd yeah but... it's very sweeney todd yeah but with, uh, like, initially material <laughs> yeah initially you like yourself outfits and you stock the counter with like horrible pies and then you start unlocking new recipes and you can like upgrade the, the pub to have tables so you take orders eventually you can hire a street urchin to work the, <laughs> the pub for you take orders so you don't have to worry about that stuff and you just start making more and more elaborate foods out of people and <laughs> And murdering people and cleaning up after yourself and all sorts of stuff. And it becomes kind of an intensive thing where you've got a certain timer to meet like meet an order. Or you can ply them with rum just to slow things down a little bit. <laughs> it's it's kind of like your standard restaurant manager sim that you'd find on like a mobile. The mechanics of it are very much like that. But it's got murder and cannibalism in it. I'm so glad you ended that with it rather than just... It's very much your standard. <laughs> your standard, you know, cooking sim like restaurant management sim like n- n- no yeah um, that, that Gordon Ramsay one's really fucked up <laughs> so yeah it, it's really it's a very basic game but like the whole all the stuff around it, it's really ghoulish and compelling like there's a story threads going through it like involved blackmail and many orphans that you create along the way <laughs> and it's it's just really interesting and like easy to play and just get lost in and it's on steam and it's really cheap like cheaper than a questionable looking pie even <laughs> and the devs are apparently working on a new game set in an insane asylum so i'm definitely going to be there for that for, for the game <laughs> yeah. Not, not yeah in an insane asylum yeah just... mm-hmm. i mean no judgment so that's what i've been playing oh. very different to what we're going to be talking about for the rest of the show which is super mario so following the release of the super mario brothers movie which is just doing insane business right now at the box office it felt like a really good time to reflect on the legacy of super mario so we're gonna take a bit of a dive into the history of mario stop to talk about our fond memories of the character the games maybe the tv shows or the movies they're not all going to be fond memories obviously especially <laughs> with those last two but there'll be memories i can promise that much <laughs> that's, that's that's my only guarantee they will be remembered things justice for bob hoskins <laughs> <laughs> so yeah mario has been around for like as long as most of us have been alive 
apart from me, I'm actually three years older than him. I've made peace with that. <laughs> and the fact that he's going to outlive me. A bit grim there. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, You're doing well, well He's not. Doing he doesn't well. die, so it's fine. <laughs> it's unrealistic for me to expect that I will outlive a video game character. Anyway, like we will be going through the series roughly in chronological order and covering as many games as possible, but we're not going to have time to get into everything because have you seen how many fucking games this guy's been in? He's in the Guinness World Book of Record World Book of Records. You know what the book's called. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just wrote Guinness. That's my notes. Very detailed. Anyway, so as a result, some stuff's going to be skimmed over or just possibly not mentioned at all. And apologies if we overlook or zip by one of your personal favourites. And if you're mad about any of that, all I can say is from the bottom of my heart, you need to get your priorities straight. <laughs> Statistically speaking, you're probably somewhere between 23 and 59, so you should have better things to worry about than whether a podcast mentioned Dr. Luigi. I just mentioned him there, so if any <laughs> Dr. Luigi fans are mad about that, yeah, you're good. I'm you so confused about what's happening. I'm getting really hostile, I don't know why. <laughs> you're so aggressive today. <laughs> yeah, it, it's that it's work. It's it fucked me off this morning. Are you that, a, I think yeah. that's what it is. I was gonna say, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm are you good. sure? We'll, we'll be all right. We're gonna talk about some good video games. It's okay. like it's all good. I will. I will hopefully calm down. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm just gonna segue myself here before I get any further carried away. So segue. So the year is 1981. Ordinary People beats Raging Bull for Best Picture at the Academy Awards, and John Hinckley Jr. tries to assassinate Ronald Reagan after seeing Taxi Driver. It was just a rough year for Martin Scorsese there, really. <laughs> but in better news, Mario, not yet Super, was created by Shigeru Miyamoto, serving as the protagonist for Donkey Kong. So initially he was just called Jumpman, but a, a piece of sales literature refers to him as Mario, so it was official from the very beginning. Miyamoto originally conceived Mario to be a recurring character in all of the games he developed, even if it was just as a cameo, because he obviously had no idea how successful this character was going to become. He just kind of expected him to be his little gimmick as he went on to do other stuff. And it's kind of funny because he originally envisioned Donkey Kong as a Popeye game, uh, with the characters being Popeye, Olive Oil and Bluto. Obviously they couldn't get the license for that, so they decided to just create an original game instead. So like, I can just picture the Popeye creator like spinning in his grave that his estate didn't go ahead with that idea. Oh, what yeah. the fuck are you doing? The money alone. Like, do you... yeah. If somehow you'd fallen into a coma in the early 80s, only just woke up but still decided to listen to a video game podcast, I'm going to explain Donkey Kong here. Donkey Kong is one of the prototypes of the platform genre. It features a series of platforms stacked on top of each other. And the player, Mario, must climb ladders to each next platform until they get to the very top to rescue Mario's girlfriend, who was called Pauline. You also, along the way, you have to avoid barrels being thrown by a giant, legally distinct from King Kong, ape called Donkey Kong. <laughs> Mario had yet to take up the job of a plumber in this point in the timeline. He was actually a carpenter on a construction site, so that's why he wields a hammer in the game. So I'm just going to ask now, has anyone here played Donkey Kong? Yes. Yes. Good. Oh, good. I'm quite happy about I, that. I feel like so I should preface like my entire response in this episode to be like I have played Mario Kart and six golden coins <laughs> so just assume I haven't played anything else oh but which Mario Kart uh, several Mario Karts <laughs> there's a there's a good yeah I mean they take up a lot of time to be fair mm. we will discuss Mario Kart don't worry spoilers <laughs> what does everyone else think of Donkey Kong when did you play it do you think it holds up today so I don't remember when I first played it or indeed when I I do not remember playing it as a child basically 
I played it as a fully grown adult in one of the, well, in the arcade club. No, that's a lie. I played it for the first time on the <laughs> mini SNES when the mini SNES came out or mini NES, oh, whichever ones yeah. they were. I have both of them, so I can't remember, but whichever one it's on of those was the first time I actually played it properly. It's much like any of the games from, you know, the before I was born times, especially, but... <laughs> you know the andy era were just more needlessly difficult than they needed to be except that i understand it was a limitation of you know hardware and software development at the time rather than you know just early from soft prototypes yeah so being bastards <laughs> yeah i personally found that my mileage for it is quite um short <laughs> like i can only play it yeah. a few times before i'm like and now I am done with this. Thank you very much. But like, I don't think that means anything other than, you know, it's just playing something like that as an adult, where I've played lots of games that have, you know, story and <laughs> other mechanics, <laughs> like things to do that are not just run and climb. Jumping barrels. And jumping barrels. Yeah. I don't remember the exact first time I ever played it. I think it may have been at a gaming convention when I was probably about or just an anime convention not that had a games room. When I think I was probably in my late teens, very early 20s. And I probably played it because I was like, ooh, that's that their Donkey Kong game, that really old one. Let's have a little <laughs> go at it and see what it's like. And I think similarly, I played it for a little bit. And I was like, this is kind of fun. I could see myself sinking time into this. But only like a little bit of time before I'd get frustrated and be like, okay, I'm ready to move on now. And then... Uh, like bash i i had the mini ness as well so and i think it's also on the uh switch online thing i think it's part of that i did play it again in my own time at home and again it was probably one of those things where i probably played it for about half an hour and then went okay i'm ready to play something that has a story now to be a bit more exciting but in in modern standards i don't think i still think it kind of holds up actually because it's really easy to play and it's accessible and it's fun you know it's just something really easy it could be quite mindless i think and as an avid platformer i've always been a fan of the genre yeah i i don't think there's anything that would make people go oh no disgusting i would never play that you know because <laughs> even the graphics could be considered very charming still because we we yeah. do like retro graphics again now so yeah i think it would definitely hold up yes like the Donkey Kong sprite alone is really nice and expressive. Mm. Like he's, it's a really well-designed little character there. I can't remember when I first played. I think I was quite young, and it was like probably don't think it was in an arcade in Blackpool, but it was definitely in Blackpool. It might have been in like a pub or something that my parents had gone into, and I was terrible at it. Mm. But like I was like, oh, that's fine. I want to go find the Ninja Turtles game now and wander off. <laughs> so like I played it again as an adult, and I'm still fucking terrible at it. But I did it as more of just out of curiosity because I I've got a big interest in like gaming history so it feels like something you have to mm. play just just to get an understanding of where everything comes from and i can see why this game would become like the white whale of so many like middle-aged competitive gamers <laughs> it's like one of those things that they're all obsessed with becoming the best donkey kong <laughs> player there's that documentary um king of kong it's just all about them very interesting people i'll just say that as politely as i can <laughs> <laughs> it's but i can see how like if you came at it at a certain age, 
and there's no there's no like home gaming at this point for them this was oh, like no real home gaming like arcades were where you got to play all the best games i can see why people would sink so much money into this trying to beat it because this is this is like the pinnacle of what they've got at the time it's not for me personally but i do appreciate it as a piece of game design and the following year uh, donkey kong jr was released and as far as i know this is the only time mario has been depicted as a villain because he kidnaps donkey kong and you play it as donkey kong's son trying to rescue his dad my god mario is basically trying to turn an ape child into an orphan it's <laughs> pretty crazy character development for him but i guess he was a bit traumatized by that whole thing in Donkey Kong, so, you know, we'll cut him some slack there. Now, there's an interesting story, isn't there? The <laughs> hero becomes the villain. Like, someone should write, a, like, a novelization about Mario's psychotic break for a brief period. <laughs> I'll, I'll pitch it to Nintendo at some point, and then they'll sue me. Probably have to cut that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they come in. You can hear them. Uh-oh. <laughs> They're out the roof. <sighs> So, in 1983, Mario Brothers launched. This is just Mario Brothers, not Super Mario Brothers, just to be clear. Like, as a kid, I didn't grasp that there was a regular Mario Brothers game. When people talked about Super Mario Brothers, they just said Mario Brothers. So, like, once I learned that that game existed, talking to my friends about games became like a fucking who's on first sketch. It was just an absolute <laughs> nightmare. So, to make things clear, I'm not going to refer to Mario Brothers as Mario Brothers. I'm going to call them Ready Salted Mario. <laughs> So Ready Salted Mario introduced his brother Luigi and saw him move into his iconic role as a plumber. Uh, I guess being a carpenter didn't work out for him because a giant gorilla kidnapped his girlfriend and attacked him. So I can see why he might want to switch professions at this point. Yeah, it would put a downer on your like, you know, career plans if you were foiled by a giant not copyrighted <laughs> monkey person. Yeah, I, I mean, I quit a job at a hotel because a wasp's nest appeared by like the outside toilet. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I can understand where he's coming from. It's like, no, no job's worth this shit. Goodbye. <laughs> so um, the game featured a sing um, single screen levels full of monsters that the Mario Brothers had to take out in order to progress to the next stage. And I won't be asking this with every game, I promise this. Like some of the earlier ones, like it's not always very clear who how many of these games have been played. So I'm just going to check again. Has anyone played Ready Salted Mario? No. 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 I think I played it once in an arcade when I was a kid because I thought it was going to be Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> and then I realized, what the fuck is this shit? I'm stuck on one screen. I did not enjoy it at all. I didn't play it again as re part of my research because I just got so many bad feelings towards it because of that initial confusion. I'm sure it's a very well-made game because it's uh, early Nintendo. They were all generally very well-made games, but it just wasn't for me. Hmm. So we'll skip ahead briefly to 1987 because I honestly couldn't find a better place to bring this up in my notes. Uh, Mario briefly had to supplement his plumber's income with some extra work at a demolition site in the game Wrecking Crew. It's kind of sad that a skilled labourer had to take a second <laughs> job to get by, really, but oh, yeah. I guess Reaganomics didn't benefit everyone. <laughs> Politics! Quickly uh, wrapping up this era, Mario also appeared in cameos in the 1984 NES sports games Tennis, where he played the referee, and Golf, which was an unofficial cameo for a while. It's just, there was a regular looking dude who looked a lot like Mario. <laughs> <laughs> but I, and Nintendo like just got tired of people asking if it was Mario, so they, in 1991 they just said yes, it's Mario, <laughs> just to shut people up because we all know how annoying nerds can be. Just imagine how determined they had to be to make their point in the 80s and early 90s before Twitter. <laughs> Oh, 
Okay, now we're going to be moving into the Nez era. The year is 1985. The Australian soap opera Neighbours has debuted. <laughs> the first ever WrestleMania took place in Madison... Madison... Thank you. The first ever WrestleMania took place in Madison Square Gardens and Coca-Cola just released new Coke like a fart in a crowded elevator. <laughs> By 1985, Miyamoto and the other geniuses at Nintendo wanted to expand on the ready-salted Mario format by uh, replacing a single screen with a scrolling one, taking what Miyamoto referred to as athletic games to the next level, uh, what we would all end up calling platformers. Can't imagine how off-putting a lot of our favourite platform games would have been if they were referred to as athletic games. <laughs> I was allergic to physical activity, that's why I played so many games. I don't want to be thinking about athletics. Yeah, I definitely would not have latched onto that at all. <laughs> be like, no, you good? Like, that sounds terrible. I am okay. Finger athletics. There you go. Oh, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I had to get a chipism in here somewhere, and I was like, "There, that's something Chip would say." No, actually, I do appreciate yeah, no, that. Yeah, that's very accurate. Spirit, after all, solid chipism. It, d- it definitely sounds like something he'd say. I can hear it. You're welcome. <laughs> so, even if you've never played Super Mario Brothers, you will know Super Mario Brothers. Like, it wasn't the first of its kind. There were other games before it, like uh, Jump Bug and Pac-Land, that had it beat by a good few years. They introduced the concepts like a scrolling screen, power-ups, but Super Mario Bros. was easily the most successful of the lot. And it's the game that popularised the genre, and it single-handedly solved the NES, which in turn salvaged the North American gaming industry. Suddenly, everyone wanted to make platformers because it was clearly the hot genre, so this was a trend that would run through the entire 8-bit and 16-bit era. If a game was coming out on the Nintendo or Sega, it was likely going to be a platform game of some description. I was quite surprised to see it only took six people to make Super Mario Bros. Wow. Just to show how complex game development has grown since then, (laughs) Super Mario Odyssey had a development team of 205 people. Oh, bloody hell. Wow. (laughs) It's a bit of a difference. (laughs) Super Mario Brothers garnered a lot of high scores, quite understandably. The lowest score I could find online was in ASMM. ASM? ASNM? That sounds like... (laughs) SNM. ASM, which uh, came to 56.6%. And anyone who listens to our Games Master Revisited series will be interested to learn this magazine was indeed from Germany. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! (laughs) It would be the Germans that weren't impressed by Super Mario Bros. (laughs) The Germans tasting games, man. It is erratic at best. (laughs) Yeah, there's no no point trying to predict what they're going to (laughs) like. I'm so glad that's made it to the main episodes. (laughs) (laughs) As soon as I saw it, I thought, I'm going to have to bring that up for Becky's benefit. So Super Mario Bros. is the seventh best-selling video game of all time. It's sold 58 million copies across the multiple platforms it's been released on. Is it safe to say, like, most of us have tried Super Mario Bros., even just, like, a stage of Super Mario Bros.? Yes. Yes. Was that a yes from Becky? It was a yes. I forgot (laughs) that I had actually played this one. (laughs) What does everyone think of Super Mario Bros.? It's really hard. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's really fucking hard. (laughs) I think I made it, like... About half an hour, like of playing, before I was like, I do not have the reflexes of my youth to play this again now, and gave up. <laughs> oh yeah, I've been getting progressively worse at this game every time I come back to it. It's it's upsetting. It's just reminding me that I'm gonna die one day. <laughs> it's so difficult. So this is up there with some of the first video games I ever played. Again, inspired that obviously it came out 
a few years before I was born. But Super Mario Brothers, uh, like any of the Super Mario Bros. titles, to be fair, were up there. We had them for the SNES, generally. I replayed this and um, I did complete it. <laughs> Woo! All right. nice. Like, there is, there is, uh, the thing is, this is your driver. Like, we, <laughs> yeah. we know that platformers are very distinctly my jam. Like, yeah. in a way that most other games have to work twice as hard to get my interest but platformers generally will be an instant hit quite quickly and yeah this is like up there in my memory as like just one of the first it felt like just hopping back into an old friend <laughs> yeah no i, I just uh, there there are a few games out there that you know even on replay and uh, like i think even when they put it on the mini nes and the mini snes like it's they've not changed anything about it like crash bandicoot they made jump mechanics and stuff slightly easier yeah they did not for this one of my deepest joys with this has been i saw my son little reb who is now 10 um but he's been into mario for the last couple of years i got him into mario via odyssey yeah and then he sort of worked his way backwards a little bit well it's really more being super mario maker that got him into like older marios because obviously he can build mario levels from virtually any mario game i say obviously i only know this because he makes me play them a lot or shows me <laughs> them at the very least i know very little about that game myself never played it but yeah it was something deeply deeply vindicating about him playing this like we played some together and any time i get to play any of the vintage because they are let's be honest at this point <laughs> the 80s yep. or 90s mario platformers where he's like all cocky and he'll be sat next to me and like i might make one mistake not die but i'll make a mistake and like you know i'll lose like my in beginning or something like that and <laughs> and he'll be like oh god mom you're such a you're such a loser <laughs> and, and i'll be like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. pass it over he dies immediately like 13 times and i'll be like oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's like yeah, Noob. your mum's not so bad now, is she? <laughs> like, <laughs> like the immediate vindication of that. <laughs> like, I don't know. I guess if like if you were good at the platformers in the nineties, like I do feel like I've kept that. I've very much held on to that as like one of my very few skills in life that I can ace a platformer. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a and it is all thanks to this skill. game. It is all thanks to this game. So I didn't play the original Mario Brothers. Super Mario Brothers, sorry. I didn't play that Thank on you. the NES. <laughs> I never had a NES. So um, my introduction to it came through the SNES when they did Mario All-Stars. And that is my first ever video game. So I was three years old and my dad came home from a business trip with a Super Nintendo, which was packaged with Mario All-Stars. And it just, it made me a gamer. And it means so much to me still personally, because I remember long weekends spent, the four of us, my dad, my mum, me, and my older sister, just playing Super Mario Brothers all weekend. And we played it, (laughs) we played it two player, but we played it four player. So we were in like teams, so I think it was me and my dad because, let's face it, he was the best of the four of us at it. And I was the youngest. I was three. So I was not very good. So per- <laughs> for the sake of fairness, my dad was playing with me and then my mom and my sister were a team and we never beat it. I think we, me and my sister may have beat it years later, but 
we never beat it as a collective family. We got quite far, but it was hard. And much like Bash, it built me as a platformer. I love platform games. I always have. And I feel like Mario is definitely responsible for that. And I have beaten it since <laughs> but it is blooming hard but yeah it means it means a heck of a lot to me and since the um, mini ness and again the switch uh ness online store i have had another go at playing i've actually had a go at playing the original because i didn't even know that it was different and i remember when i first booted it up i just went oh this looks different this is not as uh not as pretty as i remember and it means a lot to me it's it's got a very special place in in my heart yeah i think everyone's echoed what i felt like it's 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 a near perfect game it holds up so well but like becky fucking hell (laughs) (laughs) it punished me quite often i still go back to it though because it is such a well-made game i just always want to return and give it another go even if i'm progressively worse each time i try it so in 1986 super mario brothers the great mission to rescue princess peach was released in japanese cinemas this is credited as one of the very first video game adaptations and you can actually track down copies of it online as fan subs or even fan dubs i i just i watched a fan sub the story sees mario and luigi seemingly entering a famicom game to rescue princess peach from king cooper Incidentally, this is very similar to the story for 1993's The Super Hornio Brothers. <laughs> the, the porn parody. Oh no. So, I'm glad you clarified fact, it was a porn parody in case none of us yeah, spotted it. If the that. title confused anyone. <laughs> But here's a little fun fact. Uh, when Nintendo realised they had no legal grounds to take down the porno, or its sequel, because it obviously it got a sequel, because uh, they were protected as parody, Nintendo just bought distribution rights so they could <laughs> shelve it permanently. So Nintendo own a porno. Actually, they own two pornos. So that's something for you to tell people at dinner party. Oh no. Oh, Nintendo. Just to be clear, I did not watch that one. Like, my research has its limits. I don't think any of us would have judged you, but we would have asked questions. Yeah, it's fair. <laughs> also in 1986, uh, Super Mario Bros. The Lost Levels was released on the Famicom in Japan. This was an official sequel to Super Mario Bros. It was actually released under the title Super Mario Bros. 2 in Japan, and it was developed as the next logical step for players who had finished the original Super Mario Bros. by increasing the difficulty mm. to arsehole-ish levels. <laughs> there you go, Sasha. The, the levels were like harder to navigate. There were poison mushroom power-ups now that could catch you unawares. There were level warps that would actually send you back rather than forwards. There was mid-air wind gusts that would knock you around mid-jump. Like, it could go fuck itself, basically. Mm-hmm. And also, they differentiated between Mario and Luigi by making Luigi control differently to Mario. He could jump higher, but apparently his shoes were made of wet soap because he slid around everywhere <laughs> like constantly. <laughs> I've tried the Lost Levels, like the original NES version. The, the, the SNES version that came with um, All-Stars was slightly nerfed to make it a little more forgiving. Still mean. Like, it's still <laughs> horrible. <laughs> but like the NES version, just like... <sighs> so I, I do sincerely believe that Miyamoto is a genius and one of the greatest creative minds of the 20th century. Obviously, you're going to be, always be grateful for what he's done. But he's, a, he's just a grade-A bastard <laughs> for what he did with this game. <laughs> I'd honestly rather play Dark Souls games with both my thumbs broken than play the Lost Levels again. <laughs> right. so the, like I said earlier, the original Super Mario was hard enough without all this other shit added to it. So 
apparently the Lost Levels was so insanely difficult that Nintendo of America quite rightly just assumed this was too much of a piss take for Western audiences to deal with. So they decided to not release it. But obviously they needed a sequel. It was like their biggest hit. People were expecting a new game. So the solution was not necessarily simple but in, in 1988 nintendo converted a 1987 famicom title called doki doki panic to become a mario game and this is why the super mario brothers 2 that was released in the west is so completely unlike its predecessor <laughs> but it introduced ideas that future mario games would retain like the ability to lift enemies or objects and throw them as well as the dash ability it was Again, well received by critics, and it sold incredibly well. It stands as the fifth best-selling NES game of all time, and the second highest-selling NES game that didn't come as a pack-in with the console. Incidentally, Tetris is the best-selling game that wasn't a pack-in. And that brings us to the Super Mario Bros. 3. I don't know why I said the. We'll just move on. This was released in 1988 in Japan, and 1990 in America, and 1991 in Europe, because release dates were a fucking joke back then. <laughs> <laughs> and this game added more tropes that would become common as the series going forward. There's an overworld map to track your in-game progress, the ability to fly, the ground pound attack, the introduction of P-switches that reveal hidden coins when activated, and they also redesigned Bowser into his more iconic look that he's returned to this day. And this game felt like a huge deal for me when it was released. I remember uh, Mean Machines magazine had a hologram magazine, like there was a cover even to like promote it. There was this, this little Mario with like the raccoon ears and the tail yeah. and stuff. <laughs> and like it looked very little like Mario, but you could tell it was supposed to be Mario. And I just thought, wow, this game must be a big deal. They've got holograms out for it. <laughs> I think it's probably a big deal because it, it looked like a proper Mario game again after Mario Brothers 2 kind of confused people in the West. <laughs> Uh, again, it got near-perfect reviews on release. It would go on to become the third best-selling NES game of all time, selling 18 million copies. And it was also a pack-in title. Probably helped boost sales for latecomers coming along to snatch up the console when the prices were dropping. In 1989, Mario made his Game Boy debut with Super Mario Land. This game was noteworthy for introducing Princess Daisy. It also was developed by an entirely different studio to the other Super Mario games. This was designed by the team that actually created the Game Boy, as well as arcade games like Ready Salted Mario and the original <laughs> Donkey Kong series. And Miyamoto was not involved at all in the making of this game, so it results in another really unique feeling Mario game. It discarded a lot of the common threads that were seen in the NES titles. It was set in this weird like Egyptian-like world. Mm. There were lots of unique enemies like the Koopa Troopers kind of turned into time bombs when you hit them but it had an equally catchy soundtrack like the main theme to me is just as iconic as the classic Mario theme and it was actually used as a novelty pop song released in 1992 by the Ambassadors of Funk <laughs> so, I, but I definitely remember buying the LP for that there wasn't a novelty record that I wouldn't buy as a kid <laughs> but quite hilariously the invincibility music for the game is just basically the can-can. <laughs> <laughs> it would set a new precedent for Mario games being set outside of the Mushroom Kingdom, which it would continue to expand the universe of Mario. Also in 1989, the Super Mario Bros. Super Show aired for one season, which consisted of 65 episodes. They worked Lou Albano to the bone in that production. It was a mix of like live-action sitcoms and cartoons, it featured Captain Lou Albano, who was a wrestling legend, and also appeared in Cindy Lauper's Girls Just Wanna Have Fun music video as her dad. It also starred Danny Wells as Luigi, but I don't know who Danny Wells is, and I forgot to research him. <laughs> <laughs> The cartoons were like self-contained Mario Brothers episodes and there was a serialised Legend of Zelda adventure running through all of them. The intro music for the show was great. The rest of the show was kind of dog shit, but the intro music was great. They used it in the new movie for the uh, commercial that they shot. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a very catchy 
piece of music. After the Super Mario Bros. Super Show ended, it was replaced by The Adventures of Super Mario Bros. 3, which was just a purely animated show. Uh, Mario would also spend this era moonlighting as a referee in Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. He was the captain of a baseball team in the Game Boy port of baseball, and he starred in his first puzzle game, Dr. Mario. So he managed to get his doctorate while working as a plumber. <laughs> Hell of a work ethic, that guy. <laughs> So now we head into 1990, which saw the Berlin Wall fall and Home Alone become the highest grossing movie of the year. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> also this year, the Super Nintendo was released in Japan as the Super Famicom, and with it, the release of Super Mario World. And this continued many of the ideas established in Mario 3, the overworld map, the ability to fly. It also took some inspiration from Mario Land, setting it in a new setting outside of the Mushroom Kingdom. This time it was set in Dinosaur Land. It introduced some new mechanics like the spin jump attack, like scaling walls, and most notably the introduction of Yoshi. That Yoshi's that cute little fucker that you could sacrifice to make a double jump. I always felt bad about doing that, to be fair. He could also eat his enemies, which was always fun. I always enjoyed watching him swallow a Koopa. That doesn't sound weird, does it? Um, uh, sure, that no. Idea, yes. Sorry, Andy, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Super Mario World, I think, is like my favourite Mario game. There are other games that I love in the Mario series, but I think Super Mario World is the one that sticks with me the longest because it was the first game I played on the Super Nintendo, which is still probably my favourite console of all time. Who, el who else is like a fan of Mario World? Me. Me. I am. Me too. I didn't play that one. <laughs> Go and play it now. Bye-bye. <laughs> now? Okay, cool. Yep, I'll catch right you all later. Enjoy the episode. <laughs> it's still pretty tough. No. Yeah, again, Super Mario World falls into that. Super Mario Bros falls into Super Mario Land. Just any of any snares snares era of the main Super Mario platformers. We had them all. I played them all. <laughs> I knew them all intimately by the end of it. Yeah. No, absolute five star era of platforming, frankly. Yeah. Specifically the Super Marios as well. Um I didn't really play any others. Not to the degree of obsession that I did with the Marios, which is a testament, really. Because they kept churning them out, <laughs> and I kept playing them. <laughs> yeah, World, I think, probably up there with the most iconic of when I think of, you know, original Mario, I think of World or Bros. And I think yeah. a lot of people do unintentionally as well. I think it's yeah. got some of the most iconic imagery for the original Mario Brothers platformers that a lot of people would recognise it without realising they recognise it. Yeah. Yeah, I think for as a family, we fell in love with Mario straight away. So any game that came out on the Super Nintendo that had Mario's face on it, we would get it because Mario was our, our thing. We got other games, obviously, as well, but if it was Mario, it was going to be in our family. We were going to have it. And <laughs> Mario World, I think, whilst All-Stars, um, my parents played together... I think by the time we got Mario World, me and my sister were like a couple of years older. So it was time for us to be unleashed upon video games, just the two of us. <laughs> so my parents got involved less with actually playing Mario World and just watching the two of us trying to play it. And we did beat it back when I was a kid. The two of us, we, we got through it, I think, because you can play it two player as well. So we did manage to do it. And... It's funny because I actually forget about Mario World when I think of SNES. I always think of All-Stars just because of how important it is to my history of gaming. 
But then yeah. when I go through my collection, I just find it. And I'm like, oh my God, yes. I love this one. This one's amazing. Because <laughs> I think it does sometimes get combined with the others and it all just becomes one big Mario platforming mess in my head. But then I remember that one separate and I was like, yeah, I love this one. Yoshi, he's my guy, <laughs> you know. But I love that one I can very easily play more than the other three, I think. If if I wanted to have a more relaxed platforming experience, I would go world because I, it's a bit easier to do in my own opinion. And yeah. yeah, it's just great. There's so much to it, so much more design to it. It's got a great soundtrack. It's it's a solid, solid game. Oh yeah, I love the soundtrack. I actually like, I will regularly sing the music to my baby son to make him smile. It is like very subtle brainwashing to make sure he's a Mario kid when he gets older. <laughs> Yes. Caroline wants him to be a Sonic kid, but I am I am very aggressive Boo. in my campaigning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I just tell like there's more good games for Mario. We want him to have a good life. So. <laughs> Sonic is full of disappointment. There I said it. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna peak really early, and he's just gonna be really sad for the rest of the time. So. Wow. Just, let's work together for a better future for our kids. Mario kids unite! <laughs> Woo! So I yeah I said I'd love Super Mario World. It is possibly my it's definitely my top five favorite games of all time and i can kind of see why the mainline mario games moved out of 2d after this one because there was honestly no there's no topping this because they'd managed to perfect the 2d mario game as far as i was concerned i i could talk probably talk a lot more about this and i may do one day but we'll have to move on promptly to the super mario world tv show which aired in 1991 and took a fair few liberties of the property like adding cavemen for some fucking reason. But <laughs> sure. given the liberties the movie would take two years later, I'll cut this one some slack. Cavemen, at least, you know, I can kind of see. It's small potatoes in the grand <laughs> scheme of things. And 1991 also saw the publication of the Nintendo Adventure Books, which featured Mario and Legend of Zelda. I owned Double Trouble as a kid, and now I own two copies <laughs> because, <laughs> because I bought myself a replacement copy as a grown man with disposable income and completely unknown to me chip had also bought me a copy to celebrate oh. the announcement of me and caroline being with child oh. so i am very sorry chip i love you please don't let this put you off buying me gifts <laughs> that was such a funny moment when you mentioned it buying it in our in our group chat and sasha and i both knew that chip had bought it for you as well and we would both yeah. <laughs> just I like, like oh, such a dickhead. No. <laughs> <laughs> i mean you weren't to know he made mention of it in the note. Let's say, now you have two copies, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is such a <laughs> fine <laughs> comment to make. Well, I guess we've got two now. <laughs> he was very nice in the note, I will say. He was very lovely, <laughs> as he is often. In 1992, uh, Charles Martinet, he was hired to voice Mario for the first time. His first appearance was as Mario was in Mario Teaches Typing for MS-DOS. Oh, God. If ever there was a 90s phrase. <laughs> yeah, then. The educational era of gaming was just an absolute curse. There's so many Mario educational titles and they're all terrible. <laughs> but so most people's exposure to Martinet playing Mario would come four years later. But this was a busy year for Mario. It also saw the release of Mario Paint for the Super Nintendo, which would let you draw with the Super Nintendo mouse add-on. That was a crazy game. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I loved doing like the animations. You could like take the sprites and just animate little things mm. and like messing about with it. Very limited in its scope, but I would try my best to, to create epics. Do you remember the wouldn't work out like that, but I tried. The horrible <laughs> bug things in the boss fights—you had to splat them. Oh, yeah. 
apparently I, re I re didn't realize that the mouse add-on actually was compatible with a hell of a lot of games but because i only ever used it for mario paint and then i lost it so oh my god i still have it i think <gasps> Ooh, Ooh, experiment <laughs> that's gotta be a twitch stream at some point. oh no yeah you're gonna have to do that and then report back <laughs> I think it's at my parents' house. I'll have to. Don't go want to peer pressure it. you or anything. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Becky, well, Becky can do it for us. Yeah. Don't. If you challenge me, I will do it. <laughs> so, following the release of Mario Paint was Super Mario Kart, the legend that spawned a whole subgenre of racing games. Like I know, Becky, did you play the original Mario Kart? Not the original one. No. <gasps> Not the original one. The late. I. Well, I much later. I know. I'm. I'm such a. I'm such a late stage Mario <laughs> player. It's all good. <laughs> so like, obviously the first one isn't the best one anymore, but I've got the most affection for Same. it because it's the first one and it's it's got such a charming look to it. It's such a perfect look. Really simple to play, but really challenging to master, especially Rainbow Road mm. before they completely muted it in the later games. Soundtrack as well. Amazing. Yes, yeah, it's an amazing game. But I'll ask now, because it's going to apply to all Mario games, so I'll just ask it now so Becky can contribute. Thank you! <laughs> uh, who did we all main in Mario Kart? Uh, or who do we main now? Who are our go-to characters that we play? For me, it was, it's Luigi every time. Toad. I'm always Toad. I have been known to get quite aggressive if someone else tried to choose Toad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, back in SNES days, I went Luigi just because I had a soft spot for him. But nowadays, it's got to be Yoshi. And then they introduced an orange skin for Yoshi in the latest games. And I just went, hell yeah, now I can be orange Yoshi. Oh. It's perfect. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> I did not realise that. That's really cool. Yeah, you can be you can be any colour, I think. But obviously, there's only one colour for me. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I get for I was playing Luigi. I'm just missing out on all these interesting little quirks. Mm. I don't remember who I would normally main, which is actually more to say that in typical Bash Chaos, I just play whatever. It changes. <laughs> it can change during the game. Like if I've been playing a while, I'll be like, I'm bored of this one now. I'm going to change to something else. I don't. I don't have a main. The only Mario Kart I ever had a main on was Double Dash. And that was the babies, baby Luigi and baby Mario. Similarly, aggressively feral over, <laughs> like, yes. they were mine and anyone else who dared try. Like, <laughs> I will not play. I will walk out. And not only that, I will take the disc with me just to, <laughs> just yeah. to finish it off. <laughs> yeah, no, weirdly, that's the only one that I was super attached to, um, a particular play style. And I think it's because their push chair, for whatever reason, was super fast. <laughs> um, and I also just loved whenever you swept and the, the Luigi would go, baby Luigi. Because <laughs> like, he could, didn't have his L's. Um, and for some reason, yeah, I would say Luigi, and it was super cute. But yeah, no, in any other, literally any other um, Mario Kart game, I'll just play whatever I'm in the mood for that day. I can confirm Peachy is a Princess Peach main. <gasps> I know, shocking, right? <laughs> And she will rage if anyone takes Peach. It, it, no, <laughs> none of our friends would dare because they know her name is Peachy for a reason. So it's like, okay, <laughs> we, we should <laughs> let her be Peach or everyone's going to be murdered. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so that is, is, we are Orange Yoshi and Princess Peach. <laughs> what a pair. <laughs> <laughs> Mario returned to the Game Boy in 92 with the release of Super Mario Land 2, Six Golden Coins. 
I know this yes. is definitely a big favourite of Bash's, and it's one Becky's played. It's one of my favourites too. <laughs> I love this game. I replayed it recently, and it's still perfect. It really is. It really is. It's the first time in a while. I had to come to an acceptance recently that my Switch is no longer my Switch. Um, <laughs> like my my son has all but commandeered it. Little rat. And that's fine because I realise, you know, the rare occasions I'm in the mood to play it, often he probably has it, but I have to go, it's fine because my rare occasions are like once a month or maybe every six weeks versus his every day virtually. <laughs> um, yeah. So so I've made that sacrifice. However, when Six Golden Coins got released recently on, you know, when they've been slowly releasing some of their back catalogue on the Super on the um Nintendo Online, that very day I was like, No, I'm gonna need the Switch tonight, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> like this this was gonna be mine. Played it, completed it in um a night. <laughs> Fucking hell man. Yeah. Um, my memory for things. Asked me what I was doing three hours ago. Couldn't tell you. Most days, barely remember what day it is, but ask me to complete Super Mario Land 6 Golden Coins and I'll be able to do it in one sitting still, like <laughs> I did all them years ago. Um, it was, of course, yes. I would generally claim, and again, bad memory means I can't say for certain, but I would generally claim Super Mario Land 6 Golden Coins was the first game I ever played because the first thing I ever had was a Game Boy and it was this game. And I very distinctly and vividly remember playing it and finishing it and then playing it again and finishing it until I knew where every single thing was and and could finish it in a number of hours which evidently again muscle memory i've never lost it <laughs> and this was peak peak vindication with my child who was watching me play it and again making those odd mistakes but i had built up our lives to about 56 at this point <laughs> nice um, nice and then and then he took over and burned through all of them <laughs> like <laughs> and it to to just full game over screen and it was like what the what the hell happened like (laughs) like it wasn't just like it wasn't just like bad it was like epically like i I, I don't like what like i know that i'm making it look easy but like have i become so blinded to it (laughs) like that it is a difficult game or like what the like it would be things where he'd be like oh well that that hitbox just makes no sense and what are these jump mechanics and and things like that and i'd be like it's just precision platforming like it's not yeah it's Uh, not hard it's it's even designed for handheld gaming um although we did play it on the tv but yeah extraordinarily vindicating when you have a child that consistently calls you a noob things when you're like (laughs) all right you know only been playing games like three times as long as you've been alive but sure (laughs) tell me i can't play minecraft Ugh. (laughs) Um, so so like yeah no it's good times good times um absolutely iconic yes i still going back to the muscle memory thing when i played it again recently danny has got one of those emulator like game boy style emulator things so it was like Mm. playing an actual game boy and i did the three little pigs boss and i nailed it in the first go because i just like zoned in and was like (laughs) i know exactly how to deal with this and just like i got it right got it perfectly and i was like ah Thank you, brain, for remembering all those years ago where I was sat at my friend's sleepover while everyone else was watching a shitty rom-com and I was at the back on her Game Boy like, nope, I'm playing Mario. (laughs) It's the best. I've never beaten it. I sucked at it when I was a kid. I hated it. (laughs) No! (laughs) 
I never got to play a lot of it because like my time with the Game Boy is kind of winding down by this point. Mm. But like I've replayed, I played it since, and I can see why it's so well received. Like it's got all the good stuff from all the Mario games up to that point, and it looks amazing for a Game Boy yes. game. Like, yes, definitely. If yeah. you look at the state of the fucking first Mario game on the Game Boy, just tiny indistinct blobs and this beautifully detailed sprites on Mario Land Two. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm gonna try and invest some time into actually yeah. playing it properly because I want to see all of the crazy characters <laughs> and stuff that it introduces because obviously. It introduces Wario, mm-hmm. like yep. Mario's like secondary and anta- antagonist, just a burly dude driven insane by jealousy. It's interesting to see like a game introducing a brand new villain after spending so mm. much time focused on Bowser. So like it, it kind of adds a whole new kind of variety to the enemy types, which like is always exciting in a game when it's showing you something new. Like Wario became really popular after this. Like he kind of took on a life of his own, mm. getting his own franchises. He kind of makes me think if he's like Mario's version of Venom. <laughs> yeah. That makes, yeah. It makes sense to me anyway. Like, yeah. He starts off as a bad guy, but people liked him too much. So they just start to kind of make him an anti-hero. Just not strictly evil, but, you know, a bit of a bastard. You know, <laughs> one, one you kind of love. So 1983 then saw the release of the Super Mario Brothers motion picture. But for a more <gasps> comprehensive rundown of this lousy fucking movie, check out our movie adaptations episode. But... I will open the floor for people who've seen the movie to share their favourite bad moment. I mean, it has to be the sexy Mario dance. Yeah, I thought you were going to say yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> there's no... I, 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 yeah, I'd obviously blotted that from my memory when I'd watched the film and the sexy Mario dance happened and it's it's now burned on my brain of <laughs> Bob Hoskins gyrating for no apparent reason. <laughs> I told you back on the movie adaptations podcast I wasn't going to watch this film. I'm still not going to watch this film. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not happening. No, I will. I will keep I my memories of it. Things people have described to me, <laughs> and maybe the odd gif, and just like allow osmosis and whatever I've pictured in my mind to be the movie, and that's fine. I saw this movie when I was a kid. I'm pretty sure we rented it from Blockbuster, and probably along with what I said before, literally just because it had Mario's name on it, and we went, "Ooh, <laughs> it's a Mario movie." I don't really remember it, and I feel like this is a safe thing. I just remember always being confused why they were brothers when he looked like he's his dad. Like, I was like, (laughs) how big is the age gap? Because I looked at my sister and I was like, yeah, you know, we're three years apart. That makes sense. How old is he? (laughs) And I actually, just before this podcast, I rewatched the trailers for it just to remind myself how bad it is <laughs> and yes it is it is very yeah. bad i it is a bad it is bad i'm glad i will keep my non-memory of it and just one day though i swear i am gonna make peachy watch it just because i feel i need to because it will just test her stomach to see if she can <laughs> if she, I mean, can you, she you handle hear, it yeah you hear me on the video games adaptation i'm basically just hysterical with that whole section because <laughs> my brain just cannot yeah. compute <laughs> any of the choices that were made mm-hmm. so my pick would like an unintentional bad choice but the 9-11 bit oh yeah <laughs> oh that the, the world trade center turning into a burning wreckage like that bit was aged like an apple car in a tumble drive <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, that movie was a disaster, to put it mildly. It only grossed 38.9 million against a budget of 48 million, and the critics tore it to shreds. So understandably, Nintendo are a little gun-shy about using their biggest mascot in any of the types of media, so there won't be any movies or TV shows for quite a long time. Thank you, Mario Brothers. <laughs> so, I mean, the new movie's getting torn to shred by critics, but it's making a fucking fortune, so it's kind of balancing out, I think. Mm. So another low point for Mario in 1993 was the release of Mario is Missing. <laughs> this is an educational game released for home computers and ported to the NES and SNES. It starred Luigi as he scoured the world looking for Mario, obviously because he's missing, learning a couple of things about the world, you know, you know educational bollocks. I know Mario's Missing is like one of the games Orange wanted to oh, me to bring up. Mario's Missing was one of my favourite games when I just couldn't be bothered to play a game because it's <laughs> just you can't lose. You literally can't lose. All you can do is get the question wrong and then you go away and come back, try again and it's multiple choice. So you could even you don't even need to read the source material that it gives you. We are supposed to learn what they tell you about different artifacts and places and things in different countries. So if you can't be bothered to read it, you could just spam the multiple choice until you get it right. <laughs> but I just really enjoyed it just because I thought the music was was really good, even though it's really not. I think I streamed it recently because I was just I did a like a games that made me kind of thing, and I was like, I have to touch on Mario's missing. Because it was one of my go-tos when I was off sick from school. Because again, you didn't, I had no brain for anything. So I would just put on Mario <laughs> is missing. And also the center character was my boy. You know, I was always more of a Luigi than a Mario fan. I felt sorry for Luigi because he was always in the shadow. So you got yeah. to play as Luigi. So I enjoyed that aspect of it. And <laughs> going back, it is a terrible game. It's very bad, but it will be a soft spot for me forever just because i just i remember just wasting time playing that <laughs> game and also the knowledge that i knew that i'd be able to beat it no problem as soon as i put it on i was very much a i'm gonna play games on easy mode when i was a child because i just wanted to win <laughs> and you could win <laughs> with no stress <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I played it because it was a Mario game, but I was like, oh, what is this? <laughs> I think I was probably outside of the uh, the age bracket for this game. <laughs> I was a little too old for this stuff. Like, I get taught at school, I don't need this shit. So I, yeah, I, it's not as bad as its reputation, but it's also not good. It's designed for very young people, for very young kids, and that's not usually the target demo for most Mario games. That's why people tend to bristle about it when it's brought up. <laughs> so, uh, another game that's got a terrible reputation is Hotel Mario, which was also released in 1993. This is the result of a deal between Nintendo and Philips, because it's a bit it's a bit of a mess, this whole thing. But back in 1989, Nintendo and Sony were going to join forces to develop a CD-ROM add-on for the SNES, and then Nintendo backed out on the agreement and signed a deal with Philips instead. So Sony pivoted to make their concepts into a standalone console. That would be the Sony PlayStation. The Philips deal just went nowhere. The, obviously, the Mega CD came out for the Mega Drive, and Nintendo saw how that went. <laughs> so they decided, we don't want to get into CD-ROM tech just yet. But they still had some obligations to fulfill as part of the deal. Philips were entitled to develop several games based on Nintendo licenses for their standalone CDI console. And this led to the release of the infamously bad Zelda <laughs> games, The Faces of Evil and The Wand of Gamelon and Zelda's Adventure. Hotel Mario was the only Mario game that was released for the system 
as Phillips scrapped plans for a second game that was called Super Mario's Wacky Worlds, which was apparently just a rip-off of Super Mario World. <laughs> so like, Hotel Mario is kind of the same setup as the original Ready Salted Mario. It's a single screen, but this time you're tasked with like moving between floors on a hotel and closing doors. <laughs> you just walk along, shutting doors, and bad guys open them. You can hide inside the door frames to avoid enemies coming past you, or you can jump at them. <laughs> But the way it's designed is if you jump slightly too high, so you jump into the next stage and you can jump into the path of an enemy on the next stage. It's incredibly frustrating. It looks really nice, but it's an incredibly frustrating game with terrible FMV footage between the scenes. <laughs> I, I went to a lot of trouble to get a CDI emulator working on my PC. It's a real faff, and I feel like this does not work. This <laughs> all this work. My, my dedication to research is just going to... It's just fucking me over at this point. <laughs> I really like the idea of a game developer sat there like, okay, we need a new we need a new Mario game, but like, you know, we've got to do something slightly different. We haven't had a lot of doors yet. <laughs> so why don't we make an entire game about doors? And Nintendo just being so hacked off with the whole thing, they're like, sure. <laughs> like, you do you do yeah. why, why not? <laughs> Mario goes through doors, will you? <laughs> yes! Mario and Batman, <laughs> the crossover we never knew about. So yeah, it, it's kind of rubbish and a baffling use of such a lucrative license, but again, probably not as bad as its reputation. It's just not particularly good either, but not a lot of people bought a CDI, so, you know, not a lot of people are going to know just how stupid it was. <laughs> In 1995 saw Mario's reputation bounce back with the release of Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island. This game, I don't feel, doesn't get enough love. Like It kind of gets overlooked in the, the mix, but it's it's a really inventive little game. Completely unique uh, mechanics. It introduced uh, Baby Mario. It's a cute little bastard. Absolute <laughs> liability, though. And, and also in 1996, they released Super Mario RPG, Legend of the Seven Stars, which was developed by Square. And this paved the way for what would become the Paper Mario franchise. Luckily for Mario, like almost no one remembers the Virtual Boy, or at least not many people bought it. So his reputation kind of went unscathed in the wake of Mario's Tennis and 3D Ready Salted Mario. <laughs> Times were changing, technology was improving. It takes us to the mid-90s. The year was 1996. The Macarena was taking over dance floors around the world. And it was really hard to find a second thing to bring up because a lot of horrible stuff happened in 1996, apparently. <laughs> Just a lot of people getting massacred and a lot of disasters and war and stuff. But we did get the release of the Nintendo 64, which is Yay. nice. So, yeah, the, the Nintendo 64 came out, N64 to its friends, and it came with the obligatory Mario packing title. But this was no ordinary Mario game. This was Super Mario 64. And this is where most people would have experienced Charles Martinet's iconic Mario voice for the first time. Yes! And it redefined what a Mario game would be going forward. It expanded Mario's moveset, introduced a health system, new powers, and it re just reimagined how Mario games were played. Rather than moving from like A to B, you explored these like 3D spaces and had to find seven hidden stars before you could progress to the next level, uh, just to make use of these big open spaces that you could now create. And this would be the system that remained in place through all of the mainline 3D Mario games, right through to Super Mario Odyssey. And Mario 64 is definitely the definition of a game changer. Firmly established 3D graphics as the way forward and helped create the template for 3D platformers. It's possibly, you could argue, that Mario 64 had a bigger influence on gaming than even the original Super Mario. But I, I never actually owned an N64, so I didn't play Mario 64 for a long time. But I know um, Bash, 
you you were an N64 kid, weren't you? I mean, to say I was an N64 <laughs> kid feels like a backhanded... <laughs> not even a compliment. I don't really know. Like, it's like, it's it's certainly a backhanded statement about me. I had an N64, yes, I had one. And I, I certainly played games on it occasionally. Um, okay, you were an N64. You were have a... in the same room as an N64 sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like it was it was also in the same room as my SNES and the PlayStation 1. Like, you know, like, it existed. No, you're right. It's like, I probably played it more than other people, but... Like that, it's not to say that I have any memories of anything I actually played on it outside <laughs> of that's that snowboarding game I really liked. <laughs> oh yeah, snowboarding. Yeah, those controllers were on it. No, actually, no, I like GoldenEye was pretty good, but that's not what this is about either. Um, I'm trying to remember what I played on the 64. Like. I don't even... Like, I didn't play Super Mario or Mario Kart 64. I've never played a Mario Tennis in my life. Or a party, weirdly. So, yeah, no, unfortunately, I did have a 64. I played games on it. They weren't Mario games, (laughs) as far as I can remember. Whenever I wanted to play a Mario game, I would play on the Game Boy or, you know, whatever the Game Boy was at that point. That makes this section easier. (laughs) I can save this for you. (laughs) I did. <laughs> I had an N64. Yeah. Me and my sister got it as an Easter present, which is really weird because you didn't really get Easter presents and we didn't get Easter presents. Our, my parents... PlayStation, our PlayStation was an Easter present. Oh, I got console Easter presents. Yay! <laughs> but my parents were so excited because they'd managed to get a special Pokemon one. It's not the Pikachu one. It's a different one. But it's got it came packaged with Pokemon Stadium because yeah. we were massive Pokemon kids at this point. So we Pokemon had taken over in our household from Mario. <laughs> Pokemon was the new thing. My sister just started playing Pokemon and she's never played another game since. She still plays Pokemon <laughs> to this day. But I played Mario 64 a lot. Mario Kart as well. The new Rainbow Road music track was freaking amazing. And Rainbow Road itself just looked stunning. But yes, I played a lot of Mario 64. It blew my mind. Because it was obviously very different to what I was used to. And I I wanted more games like that. So we went and got Donkey Kong 64. We got Banjo-Kazooie. Because I was like, I need this new 3D platforming collect-a-thon thing. This is something <laughs> I didn't know I wanted. And now that I've had it, I want it forever more. And obviously they started to die out. But Banjo-Kazooie was amazing as an aside as well i know it's not mario related my all my n64 comments would be not mario games but yeah no. <laughs> mario is probably the most i played on the n64 aside from pokemon because i spent a lot of time in pokemon stadium and pokemon snap but i played a lot of mario before unfortunately my allegiance started to fall into the playstation because crash bandicoot was a thing and suddenly yeah. the challenge of that was more then Mario 64, and I was like, ooh, <laughs> this is hard, like the old Mario games used to be. Whereas I feel Mario 64, while it was a great game, it wasn't that hard. It was challenging in bits, but it felt much friendlier when you compare it to some of its kind of the games around it. Yeah. Like they were experimenting with the style rather than, how do we make this really hard? Um, so. You know, I liked it because it was easy. But then as I got older, I was like, meh, <laughs> that's too easy. I want something else now. I think for me as well, though, like I was still very much embedded in 
Game Boy and SNES. Like I still, we still have the SNES. Um, like I still very much embedded in that version of Mario. That I think 3D Mario was horrifying to me on like a, <laughs> yes, on like a really like specific visual ugh, level for me. Like as a child, and I was like. No, I don't like it. I don't know. As soon as he was like 3D, I was like, no, I I much preferred you before you were, you know, bulbous. Um, <laughs> so um, maybe that bulbous. was also a thing. Like I found it easier to, you know, play things like you mentioned Crash Bandicoot and Banjo-Kazooie and those sorts of other 3D platformers where I didn't already have an attachment to like a very flat 2D version of a character. Mm. So yeah, I think that also contributed, you know, aside from just the dog shit controls. Yeah, <laughs> the controller, <laughs> that N64 controller. Why? I'm glad I played it on emulator so I could play it on like a Xbox controller. Oh. All the buttons are where I knew where they should be. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't play Mario 64 until, like, same reason as Bash. I had a real aversion to 3D Mario as a concept at that point in time. It's like, no, this isn't right at all. He's a he's a 2D boy. <laughs> Why you be 3D? I don't like this. But I have played it and it's it's a very good game, very well made. It's not going to screw up my top five Mario games, but I can appreciate it for its place in history. It's the blueprint for 3D, one of the big blueprints for 3D gaming going forward. So I've got an appreciation for it more than a fondness for it, I think. The same year that Mario 64 came out, Mario Kart 64 came out. And weirdly, it wasn't a proper move into 3D yet. Like the, the drivers were all still sprites, a bit more detailed, but the tracks were fr- proper 3D this mm. time, which was interesting. Uh, 1998 saw the debut of the Mario Party franchise. That series has had an insane number of fucking sequels. I, 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 going from this point, I stopped keeping track of every individual release of this thing because there's just too many of these goddamn <laughs> things. I want to say 10, but and I'm not sure. It's about 10. It's 10 or yeah. 11. I think it's, it's probably 10 main ones, and I think there's like been a compilation. Yeah, the Since the newest then. one on the Switch must be the eleventh, but it doesn't have a number, so it's confusing. Yeah, that it's it's just a compilation of mm. like all, some of the older games. Yeah. It's a cop out. I know Ben's furious about that because he's a big Mario Party fan. He's like, why aren't they releasing another yeah. new one? Peachy, we had the same response. She loves Mario Party because she can win. She can't usually win a competitive game against me because I have video game experience above hers. And she gets very frustrated. When we play fighting games, she actually sometimes physically punches me because she thinks <laughs> it will make it so that she can win the game because I'm distracted. But Mario Party she liked because she could win. Because <laughs> it was luck-based <laughs> more than anything else. Yes, that's why. Yeah. that's why I like it and hate it in equal measure. I hate it. I don't like losing. <laughs> so the, the following year saw the debut of Super Smash Bros., which isn't necessarily a Mario franchise, but it was definitely Mario adjacent. And in 1999, Mario Golf was released on the N64, and this was followed by Mario Tennis in 2000. And Tennis is noteworthy for introducing Waluigi, which is such a weird way to introduce what feels like a seminal character until you realise, like, this was something I didn't realise quite until I was doing the research, and then I just, if I was holding a mug of coffee, I would have dropped it in slow motion. (laughs) Waluigi's never been the villain of a Mario game. Really? He's just been the roster member of various things like Mario Party and Mario Kart. He's just there. He's a seat filler, basically. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I, I did know that about Waluigi, you know, as a as, so a, as a massive stan of Waluigi <laughs> as a character. My partner, once we when, when we were in the car, um, we were driving along and he was like, you know, doing it, playing a game of like, who is your Wario? You know, what would be your like polar opposite? And what would they be called kind of thing? We were playing a game of that. And he was like, wait, no, that's not the fun question. It's who is your Waluigi? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you're like... They're not even related. Um, I know that's Mario so funny. I love Waluigi. that. <laughs> like they're just two independent weirdos who hate yeah. different Mario brothers. They happen <laughs> to find each other. I I think that's really sweet in an insane and, way. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's like no actual purpose for Waluigi to exist. <laughs> <laughs> just he's just there, just vibing in the sort of chaotic evil spectrum. Like yeah, no, great, great character. <laughs> great, like. Like he's not even in any of the major Luigi games as a like uh, yeah. it makes no sense whatsoever. But yeah, no, it's the question you want to ask yourself is not who is your Wario, it's who is your Waluigi. <laughs> like that is hilarious. It's so weird. It's, it'd be like introducing the Riddler as a Batman villain, but then only using him in coloring books. <laughs> like, why are you? Why are you just leaving money on the table? Make him a villain. Like, come on, Wario had his chance. Yeah, maybe that's why sexy Waluigi exists because people had to fill in the gaps. So, so to speak. speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was literally about to make reference to that. Of my other sort of just as an aside, favorite thing about Waluigi is that I have seen more sexy cosplays of <laughs> Waluigi than any other Mario character, possibly than any other video game character. There is there is something about Waluigi. He has an energy. <laughs> He's got a very flirtatious energy. That that speaks to cosplayers that speaks to cosplayers that also do pole dancing. <laughs> and other incredible feats of, you know, sexy prowess. Like it's just it's 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 a thing to behold. Fascinating to me. Uh, in a way the, the entire character of Waluigi is just fascinating to me I have a small fun thing for that my couple of my IRL friends work at the cosplay desk at the London Comic Con and sometimes they do group cosplays just for a laugh like they've done Spider-Man cosplays where they all bought a Spider-Man outfit so they were just repairing people all dressed as Spider-Man they have done sexy Waluigi group where they all did a different version of Waluigi so like tennis golf <laughs> all his different outfits in all the different games that he's featured in but they were all waluigi no other character so they all got to have great mustaches and noses and eyebrows and it was amazing <laughs> so yes <laughs> i know about the cosplay scene <laughs> even the repair desk his might is vast <laughs> i do love waluigi like we know he's i've you know, brought him up before <laughs> it might just be because he's kind of Vaguely connected to Luigi, who is my main guy, like because he's skinny and nervous. That's just my my sense of representation there in video games. <laughs> Luigi Stan. <laughs> so in a two thousand Paper Mario was released. This was would become like an ongoing RPG series. Uh, like every major Nintendo system would get a Paper Mario game with a new kind of fun visual gimmick. Also by this point, Mario Party had already knocked out two sequels. <laughs> <laughs> this takes us to. The year 2001, and I think we'll just move on from that bit. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Nintendo released their vastly underrated GameCube system. It was odd that it didn't have a Mario game at launch, but it did have a Luigi game at launch, which was Luigi's Mansion. Like After like Mario was missing, it kind of unfairly landed Luigi in protagonist jail. 
he got to star in his own game, and like, I, I was a big fan of Luigi's Mansion. Like, I had a, had a nice, unique vibe about it. Yeah, Luigi, Luigi's Mansion is a series, man. Like, they're all top draw. They do very much have, like, they feel like Mario games, but they feel like Luigi games. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. They're, like, tangential enough, you know, that if what you're familiar with is Super Mario platformers, you can get into them quite easily. Like, they're, 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 it's a really easy door in without ever feeling like they just have their own sense of character, basically. And they're really fun arcade games. Mm. They are. I really enjoy the arcade game. I like that it's got its own thing and it feels, the vibe feels appropriate for Luigi. Mm. He's not mimicking Mario. He's not in Mario's shadow for once. It's kind of become part of his character, like a big part of his character. Like even the new movie knows that has like an extended sequence where Luigi's just being terrorised by spooky stuff. It's just like, it's a big part of his identity now to be a bit scared. Mm. <laughs> oh, I mean, honestly, I know you've it's only mentioning, um, but yeah, the, in the new movie, both my partner and I came away from that going, do you know what? We'd actually just watch a Luigi horror movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, that also is a thing that I would quite happily sit through. Mm. Oh yeah, I'd, I'd watch a Luigi's Mansion movie like today. I wish they'd leaned a little bit more into the Luigi's Mansion thing, but I understand they couldn't do everything. So In 2002, the GameCube gets its first official mainline Mario game in the form of Super Mario Sunshine. This was another one that I didn't play until very recently because of my continued aversion to 3D Mario games. <laughs> like This is what led me not to play Super Mario 64 for so many times. I, I, I was very much like a Mario is 2D and that's the end of it kind of thing. Old man yells at Cloud, <laughs> even though I was, a, I was 20 at the time. <laughs> so very set in my ways. But yeah, it's another really good game. I like that all the new Mario games going forward, they don't rest on their laurels. They're not just copying what the last game did. They try something different each time. And that's what Mario Sunshine does here with the, the water mechanic. It was like mm. that was a cool little thing. Again, probably not my top, not in my top five Mario games, but I, I did really enjoy playing it. In 2003, saw the release of Mario Kart Double Dash, and like this is a lot of people's favorite Mario Kart game. I know it's Caroline's favorite. Uh, I know Foxy is probably somewhere yelling like, "Yes, this is my favorite Mario Kart game too." <laughs> you probably would have been furious if I didn't mention Double Dash. Also, also, my, yeah. frankly, it's um, if you don't think it's the best Mario Kart game, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going. I'm fucking going there. And honestly, anyone anyone wants to challenge me to a round of double dash? Even after all this time, I've got my GameCube in the garage. Let's fucking go. I will destroy you. Like I am that confident on this game. Yeah, yeah. It brings out something quite primal in me. I don't play it. I was going to say that was like super unnerving on a also hilarious level. <laughs> Yeah, I will. I will not challenge you to super nope. double dash. I will get my ass kicked. I've never played it. it, it, it <gasps> me neither. It's it's nope. a really good game. Oh my god! Uh, really <laughs> unique among the Mario Kart games as well, especially the multiplayer. It's amazing they haven't tried to do another double dash because of the way multiplayer has become easier and easier to and more expansive. It's a weird thing that they've decided not to do again. That's just hurt the two me. Person I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like. Oh my god! My GameCube was very. I mean, dusty. I can't. I, the, the thing is, I also can't play you at it now because, <laughs> like, it brings out something. I'll smash quite, you at the SNES one. <laughs> quite cruel in me. <laughs> like, I'll just, I'll it's just very much a. Time. a <laughs> there, there's no, there's no, yeah. there's no love in Double Dash. Like we. <laughs> no, only winning. 
my GameCube wasn't very loved, I'm afraid. I was, I'd mentioned before, I drifted to the PlayStation side and I was firmly there in the PS2 era. That is my favourite console. So I was like, GameCube, what's that? I had it. I had a couple of games, but I barely touched them. So I, I missed Sunshine and Double Dash. Like you said, the PlayStation 2 was out. The Xbox had come out. Like There was a lot of fucking mm. games out there. A lot of major new consoles and major new ips like it's very hard to play everything so it, my gamecube got neglected yeah. quite a lot as well but yeah double dash was like a big that it added a lot of stuff that had become staples of the series it was probably the first mario kart game since the original to actually innovate in any way like it seems like the only thing they've brought forward through the other games is the introduction of the power slide which is really the only way you can win any races <laughs> in mario yeah. kart 8 deluxe absolute queen yeah. of the power slide over here <laughs> I'm still trying to teach our kid how to do that. She's not picking it up, and I'm just like, this is why I'm absolutely beating her ass at the game. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to hold back a little bit with Little Reb as well. But no, the, in Double Dash, they did the like the fully just the oval course. I would be overtaking characters. <laughs> like, I, I like just one big... Like, I tried to perfect it where I was essentially just on one big slide all the way around, just constantly... <laughs> And just imagine great. you doing that in slow-mo, like flipping the bird as you're going past. Yeah, them. I mean, yeah. you know, as, as as baby Mario and baby Luigi, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Psychotic. So skipping ahead to 2006, on the Nintendo DS, New Super Mario Brothers was released. This was like a throw bra- black, throw black. Oh, yes, a flow black. A flow black. This was a throw black. <laughs> To the classic 2D Mario games, only with uh, 3D graphics to make, and they were making use of the DS's touchscreen for like weird shit, like accessing items and stuff. Nintendo liked to have like a gimmick, and then they enforced the rule that every game has to use the gimmick. It was still a great game, and like it was especially good for me as someone who was still very averse to the full 3D Mario games. This was a nice like transition, kind of like my methadone, I guess. <laughs> bring up methadone a weird two amount of times on this podcast yeah, twice yeah but still a lot i think twice for methadone is is weird enough it's a it's a lot for someone who's never taken methadone I feel. <laughs> yeah. we'll move ahead to the year 2007 the iphone had debuted and martin scorsese finally won a best director oscar for the departed had a much better year than the time john hinckley jr tried to shoot a guy <laughs> Uh, but also, the Wii had been released. Um, it'd been out like a year at this point, I think, and it unusually did not have any Mario games at launch. But like 2007 saw the release of Super Paper Mario and Super Mario Galaxy. This might be my favourite 3D Mario game, or it's very, a very close second to another game that will be mentioned later. This is the game that actually made me think, okay, 3D Mario games are good, are they? Okay, well, I look stupid now. <laughs> And that's when I decided to go back and play the other games. It's visually stunning. I liked the gimmick of like the tiny planets that you'd run around. Like it, it just, it just for some reason it just clicked. It just had all the uh, the charm of a Mario game, but like it was a lot more inventive than some of the other 3D Mario games, just visually. And I mean, it still had the whole arbitrary shake the shake your Wii to attack mm. people thing, but you know <laughs> that's just the Wii for you. So I also saw the release of Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games, and this is just <laughs> the ultimate mark of disrespect for a peer and one-time rival. Oh my god, that game. <laughs> Nintendo are like, yeah, we can do a crossover. Cool, yeah, sure. Um, it's going to be a complete afterthought. It's going to be an Olympic Games tie-in. Most people aren't going to play the fucking thing. Ubisoft yeah. Rabbids got more 
respect than Sonic. You say that. Which is fucking funny. <laughs> you, you say that. So this is around the time I started working at HMV. <laughs> and, and very much the boom of the Wii. So the Wii was the console that we would sell out of immediately as soon as we'd mm. get stock in. We'd keep it in, like, it would be kept in cages in the back. Um, I mean, all the consoles were, but, like, they'd be kept in cages in the back, like, and security would be there. They were that popular. Like, it would be, we'd have to have a sign on the door saying if we had Wii's in stock that day or not. So wow. the, the time of this game coming out was around the time when it was getting massive. I remember this because this game was, like, top of the Wii chart for mm. fucking months. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I remember being, like, the dickhead, like, because I worked there and I people, this was back at a time when companies were allowed to do friends and family discount and shit like that. But I do remember like being like really proud. It was like the moment of like I did something for the family, you know, because <laughs> I they would allow us to like hold one back. So when one came into oh, stock, yeah. it was like a, you couldn't do it for like just anybody, but like obviously when it was like yeah, my mum and dad would like one, please. <laughs> With we fit, of course, oh, of course. as well. <laughs> and that sort of pride of walking through HMV with them when my parents came to the HMV to pick it up and be like, look what I have for you. <laughs> like, it's the last one in the entire store. And yes, we had Mario and Sonic at the Olympics and, you know, Mario Kart, Wii and like all of the, and, and like anything like that, really. But like the for the family gaming shit, like to say when we would look back and go, really, Mario and Sonic at the Olympics? What a dumb fucking idea that was. It's, it's sold. <laughs> it's it sold crazy cakes and yeah. people loved any of those shit Wii family games and them great Wii family yeah. games. But like it didn't matter. The main thing was that people could play in their front rooms with their whole families. I think that was like the Wii's genuine, unique selling point and why it yeah. was so goddamn yeah. popular. Yeah. Um, and why you could even get, you know, your granddad who barely even knows what a games console is involved at Christmas, like <laughs> <laughs> playing as, you know, I don't know, Bowser doing some doing some running or something. I don't know. <laughs> like made no sense whatsoever. But like, yeah, anyone, anyone, even if you didn't play games consoles could play yeah. could play these shit yeah. games. So I lived in halls with a phenomenally rich person who decided he was going to buy us a, a Wii for our halls of residence, which is great. Nice. <laughs> so we had a Wii in our flat, and this is where my Mario Kart experience enters because that's all we did was Mario Kart Wii for hours and hours. And I found that I have a really good, like, drunken sweet spot for Mario Kart where I'm suddenly <laughs> amazing. Like, I can do Rainbow Road, I can do all the difficult ones, I can power slide, all of this stuff. But the second I have like one more sip of alcohol after that bit, gone. <laughs> Just doesn't work anymore. Amazing. But I love that game. The I love that console as well. The Wii was such a great mm. innovation. Yeah. We we had Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games because at this point in time, my sister had decided that she didn't care about video games that much anymore because she was a teenager, so it was to be below her. Unless it was Pokemon. <laughs> that was different. But if she did play a game, it had to be sport focused for some really weird reason, like something <laughs> FIFA-y or track and field or some rubbish. But Marion Sonic at the Olympic Games was enough to please everyone because my parents were like, oh, look, it's Mario. We remember Mario back into Mario mind. And my sister was like, sports. And I was like, <laughs> you know what? It's a video game. I'll play. But I feel like the biggest disservice that game ever did was making a hundred meter dash 
that Sonic apparently might not win. It was like, hang on, <laughs> wait a minute. How is Mario running alongside Sonic? This is dumb. I, and I would refuse to buy into that. I was always like, no, that's stupid. Sonic is like just coasting. It's like, no, the type of character that Sonic was, he would never just let Mario win a race. He would always like pip him at the end just to be like, oh, oops, because that's Sonic. But it's like, that was dumb. <laughs> I don't agree with this. Yeah, surely like Sonic should be like, what's like disqualified from a, a dash, yeah, a sprint race. Yeah, you shouldn't be allowed to pick him. <laughs> Can't yeah. use Sonic because he'll win regardless. Yeah. Bowser's just doing his exercise at the starting line, like, why am I even bothering? <laughs> What's the point? Like lumbering along, like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> just knocks over all the hurdles, like, I can't <laughs> jump! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Wii was just an incredibly successful system. It obviously got its own Mario Kart, Mario Kart Wii, in 2008. I, I was terrible at that game because of the motion controls mm. that... It's tried to force on you. I love it. The old wee wheel. Yeah. Yeah. Like leaning my like round as if that would help. Like if I lent into the corner. My mum was so excited because my mum was one of those people on the Super Nintendo. She used to move the controller around and we'd be like, no, that doesn't do anything. So for the first time ever, she could move the controller and it actually had an impact. (laughs) She was beyond excited, but then realized how sensitive it was. She was like, oh. I'm actually really bad at this. <laughs> bless, <laughs> bless my mum. She tried. In 2010, we've got the release of Super Mario Galaxy 2. And after this point, uh, the Nintendo had moved from the Wii to the Wii U, which is a very imaginative title. <laughs> In 2013, the Wii U got its first major Mario game, which is a sequel to the 3DS's Mario 3D Land. It was called Super Mario 3D World. I love that game. And it was kind of interesting for them to, you know, their new system's flagship Mario game was a sequel to a game that was released on an underperforming handheld system. Like, there was a lot of weird choices they made during the Wii U era, so... Mm. The the Wii U being one of them. (laughs) The Wii U is a weird, weird thing. 3D World meant so much to me and Peachy. That was at one of our big gaming moments for a long time. Because we had a Wii U. We liked Splatoon, and there are some amazing games that came out on the Wii U. Donkey Kong Country, Tropical Freeze. It was a great, great roster of games. And 3D World, we spent stupid long playing that game. We played it through as all the characters so that you could get all the secrets. The only thing we've never done is beaten Champions Road. We have tried so hard, but it is so difficult. Even with the peachy floaty jump, it's just... Ah, it's so hard, but that game was, it was just great. It was like a return to the classic Mario for us, but in a 3D scope. I just, yeah, I think it's a really, really good game in the Mario franchise, personally. I, I never played it, to be honest. Like, you should. But, but obviously, it's a Wii U game, not many people. You can get it on Switch now. Do <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, you can. Do it, yeah, do I need, it. I, I need to play more Switch games, to be fair. It's, it's, um, I do remember really liking it, and I just, the Wii U itself, I get now you look back and it, it's absolutely 100% like the prototype to the Switch. Mm. You do see mm-hmm. where they, were, where they yeah. were aiming to go with the idea of handheld and also, a, you know, plug into your TV. Like, I get I get where they were coming from and what they were attempting, but it was just such a bad attempt. Mm. I had so much of sellers and buyers regret. <laughs> um, I believe that's come up before, Rev, because I yeah. sold my Wii <laughs> for the Wii U and regret it. Ooh like so much the games that i did play on it 
were always really fun. It did feel at times like they didn't know if they wanted to be handheld or on screen. Like I don't think they'd quite figured that out mm, yeah. yet because there has always been quite a distinct difference between like say their Game Boy games and console games, understandably. But it did seem like they were very much specifically designed differently. And to follow up from the Wii as well, which was honestly, I genuinely think a near perfect console because it was so different. But I think it's one of the very few times uh, before the Switch where Nintendo really knocked it out of the park with intent. So so yeah, it's it's kind of, I tried to get myself back into the Wii U with the Mario Kart 8 as well. Mm. So again, it was yeah. always the Mario games, always the Mario <laughs> games were the thing that kept me pushing with any of these like increasingly unhinged Nintendo consoles. <laughs> it, it's the thing, it was always like the Mario games that pulled me back in. Yeah. Of, like, I'll give it another go. But yeah, I just couldn't, I personally could never get past my general disdain for the console <laughs> <laughs> to, to be able to actually play any of those games properly. I feel very alone being like a person who never hated the Wii U. I never really understood its purpose, but I liked it as a console. And I know everyone's <laughs> going to be like, why? Like, because for me, all that mattered for consoles was what I could play on it. I didn't care about the fact that it had a screen. Peachy used that. I just used a Wiimote most of the time. I just loved what they had on it. And 3D World definitely encapsulated that for, for me. I've put so much more time into that than I think I put in most games on any other console at that time in my life. That was our go-to evening. And that and Mario Kart, I think, was it 8? that time which had the online feature yeah it was yeah. and a couple of our friends who lived not too far from us but obviously in a different part of the country were also big mario kart fans so we some evenings we would do a really awkward skype call back then with them and then join them in a mario kart game online and that was always good fun as well so i, I didn't hate the wii u and i still have my wii u i I sometimes use it. It was just a hard system to follow, like yes, the Wii, which definitely. was like a cultural moment, and they didn't quite know what to do with themselves. It had some interesting games, like they obviously had the Mario Kart 8, and they released the first Super Mario Maker on that mm. system, but it was never going to live up to the Wii, so it was an underwhelming system for Nintendo. But they definitely bounced back in the year 2017, which is the same year that the UK triggered Article 50 to begin the process of oh, no. the European Union. <laughs> oh, no. And Ed Sheeran had five of the ten best-selling singles of the year, so it was a terrible year for the UK. <laughs> Where were you we researching got the Nintendo these Switch cultural references? <laughs> it's safe to say the Switch was a big comeback for Nintendo. Mm -hmm. It's now one of the best-selling consoles of all time. Has, has it eclipsed the Wii already? I think it has. Gone past I think the it Wii. has. I think so. It was very close last time it looked and then someone said it had already it gone past mm. it. So it's become like the same kind of thing the Wii had. It wasn't as in immediate as the Wii because the Wii had like Wii Sports to pull people in. Oh, let's all get this. But just that the fact that it was a proper console, but you could play it handheld on the go and stuff, it was such a... It just started getting people interested and going, oh, I like to be on the go. I like to like sit around in my on the toilet and play a video <laughs> game or something. <laughs> all right, Andy. It became, it, Everyone has done it at least once. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you're there for a while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> enough about my bowels let's talk about the switch a little bit <laughs> so this was yeah nintendo's big comeback from the previous generation they released mario kart 8 deluxe which was basically just a remaster of the wii u's 
like Diet Mario Kart 8. It had all the DLC added and unlocked, and it added some new characters and some gameplay tweaks. So it was the definitive version of that game. But I still feel like Nintendo need to release a proper Mario Kart Agreed. game for the Switch, like a unique one. Also, it saw the release of Super Mario Odyssey, Woo! which that might be my favourite. 3d mario game like the more i play it and the more i think about it the more i love it it's a big celebration of mario like all the things you love about mario like the little bits where it becomes 2d and like mm -hmm. you've got like the classic super mario Brothers style it even brought back uh, pauline from donkey yep. kong like who's now the mayor of new donk city and she moonlights as the lead singer of a swing band so. <laughs> pretty well for herself once she broke up with mario so, so yeah like i just oh god sorry please go no you you go well, no, I was going to interject on two things. First of all, I just want just to go back to an early point for a second. Just whilst you were talking, I did a very quick Google. It was actually February 2022 that the Switch outsold the Wii. Hey! Right. So it will have, you know, it's a year on. Blimey. Over a year on. Is it just PS2 now it has to be? or is Possibly, although obviously this was all like a year yeah. ago but yeah and yeah. it was february 2022 it had sold 103.54 million units wow and obviously it's still <laughs> mega popular even now yeah but anyway sorry that was a total aside no i was gonna say about odyssey in particular it doesn't surpass what would be my favorite game because up to my favorite game is super mario land two six golden coins <laughs> it's up there 100 percent in top five not just for my own personal experiences with it so i played odyssey i didn't even have a switch until part way through lockdown mm. i want to say i actually reckon the switch had a massive boom in lockdown yes yeah of, you know, animal, so, animal crossing, yeah. Animal crossing <laughs> yeah well, there was animal, animal crossing, crossing. But also a lot of people were home a lot more and it's that sort of, it was that, it's yeah. the true hybrid console, isn't it? Mm. Um, at least the original Switch. I know they have the light now, but the, the normal Switch is the true hybrid of it can be plugged into the TV and it can be fully handheld. Mm. And it makes sense as both. Like it mm. proportionally feels good as both. Mm. But I have a lot of love for Odyssey. So not only because it was like that and Animal Crossing got me through lockdown, at least the very first one where I was shielding as well. So like... I literally wasn't leaving the house ever. I'd accidentally, I say accidentally, my partner had loaned it to me <laughs> while he was moving house. And he was like, oh, if I'm packing it away, you may as well take it for a little bit. And then like two, three weeks later, <laughs> lockdown hit. And I ended up having it for like, I don't know, nine months or something. Yeah. Like it was like, it's basically my console. And I remember crying the day Animal Crossing came out because I didn't have enough money to buy it at the time but my partner it turns out had actually bought it for me Aww. and obviously just auto downloads onto the console um, and it was like really really cute Aww. anyway that was just as in a complete aside yes yeah, so odyssey got me through that i completed that in lockdown odyssey was the first non-minecraft game my son really got into and i have a lot of love for it for that as well it's a super accessible game mm. it's so moorish it just it, yeah. it just everything about it, it's beautiful it's fun it really appeals to every single kind of player mm -hmm. i reckon whether you're a collector or you're just you know like to get through a game and then you're done it's got a great story if that's what you're after it's got really fun mechanics it's like when you get to do like with cappy and become the dinosaur <laughs> like you know oh, fucking yeah. 10 out of 10 <laughs> 10 out of 10 game yeah, no, my son is fully obsessed with it and has been now for, like, I don't know, 18 months. He's collected literally everything that you can in it at this point and regularly watches speedruns of the game. Because <laughs> that's nice. his very specific and niche 
interest in gaming is speedrunning things. Nice. Um, but yeah, that this game has so much love from me for not just personal, but as in my own experiences with it. But you know, mm-hmm. it's been nice to actually be able to share something with my son, I guess, because like Minecraft was his thing for such a long time, and I just I cannot bring myself to give a shit. <laughs> or, you know, like I tried, I really did. I tried playing it. I just, it's not, it's genuinely, it's not for me at all. And that's fine. It's great if it is for you, but it's really difficult when it's like your son's main hyper focus mm. and you're like, I can listen to him talk about it, but my God, do I want to stick needles in my eyes if I have to watch <laughs> or engage in anything seriously with it? Mario, though, that brought us together in a way that was like. <laughs> He's talking a language I understand now. I mean, at this point, like, I'm also tired of hearing about Odyssey. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, know it's like... about. <laughs> Yeah. So one-up pod uh, Minecraft not, not happening then? No. Absolutely. <laughs> no. I've decided of a way to talk about it. <laughs> when I've babysat Little Reb, he's tried very hard and yeah, it's not she, Becky, Becky's babysat. <laughs> um, little red before she she knows she knows <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> like, I think Super Mario Odyssey is a masterpiece. Too. Like, yeah, I haven't finished it yet, but what I've played of it is like it's just I haven't played a game that's this bursting with imagination and charm. Mm. And mm. Every time you throw Kathy onto <laughs> a different thing and Mario possesses it and the little hat and the mustache <laughs> appear, it's just like it's just incredibly fun and charming and it reminds me of all the things that I used to love in Super Mario World. Yes. Like that sense of like just charm and personality and imagination and colour and life is it's the most excited I've been about a Mario game since like Super mm. Mario World. Yeah. It's it's one of the few and- I've played. Yay! Yay. <laughs> but yeah, I I think like the bit that I just I really loved about it, it's just the sense of play. You know, you can like you said with the cappy, like throwing cappy onto stuff, but also just like just bouncing around and <laughs> just having fun with it. Like you, you know, even if you are story yeah. focused, like I tend to be in games. I love just kind of delighting in the world. And yeah, the two mm. D bits were such a glorious innovation like i loved the first time that happened i was so excited i was like literally (laughs) bouncing in my seat like oh my god this is so much fun and i think it's it's rare that you know nowadays i play a game that kind of takes me back to those first years of discovering video games and that kind of sense of imagination and creativity Mm. and being involved in it directly it's one of the few games that has really grabbed me in that way and all i could think of is if i played this when i was a kid (laughs) i would have been all in in the same way i was with six golden coins like it would have just possessed me and it's just yeah i can see why a little reb yeah yeah so into it absolutely it's just delightful the switch was a console that i know peachy bought for me for christmas i don't think it was the year it came out i feel like it might have been the following year and one of the games that i got was mario odyssey and i remember that was back when i worked in a place where they made you take time off over christmas and took it out of your holiday but i'm not gonna grouse about that (laughs) because i used my time off very well in the fact that i literally played odyssey non-stop from when i woke (laughs) up to when i went to bed over my mini christmas break and i finished it before i went back to work i was obsessed with it it was (laughs) a true return to form for mario for me since i dropped off the Mario 3D circuit and missed out on the sunshine and galaxy. I did play 3D World, but it wasn't the same. 
coming back to the single player Mario for Odyssey, it was just like it was it was like coming home. It was like coming home to something familiar and just in such a wonderful way because it really is a true homage to what came before it and with what's coming next you know it was pushing forward i remember when you arrive in new donk city i was just like this is amazing i love this you know it was it was just oh it's just so good such a good game there's so much to it and and a small fun fact it is the very first mario single player type game that peachy has ever shown any interest in playing none <laughs> of the others have ever struck no. her interest she still hasn't yet but she's actually mentioned it to me could she borrow the switch at some point and give it a go and i obviously with a massive smile on my face was just like yes yes you can <laughs> enjoy it it's wonderful you'll love it and it's got nothing to do with the fact that you know that princess peach appears after after the end of the uh, the game spoiler um <laughs> that's got nothing to do with the reason why she wants to see it <laughs> um <laughs> but it, it is an absolute delight it was just if you, uh, whenever someone tells me they want to buy a Switch and they, they're like, what game should I get? It's the first one I suggest. Above Animal Crossing, I always just go, Mario Odyssey, trust me, get it. You'll love it. You'll spend loads of time in it. It will just, it will capture you. It's it's Nintendo at its purest brilliance. It's just, I think you're absolutely right there. Purest brilliance. Like, I think, and in terms of recommendations, it's such the perfect recommendation for most kind of gamers because, like I say, you can do anything. I think it's, mm. and you said it's innovative, it is, and it's still like perfect. Mario, like you said, Peachy, um, Orange, and it is. <laughs> and, sorry. Uh, we are one um, and the same. <laughs> it's so accessible. Mm. Yeah. And, and it's so intuitive. Like, it's so nice to play a game that you can just like hop into and just understand and get it mm. like you never yeah. need to research how to do something oh like i mean you might like that's not like that's no just not to be disparaging for people that have done oh i've looked up how to do things so i got stuck but i just mean in general like it's just one of those games that it is just it's a masterpiece it's just perfection like it's so it's so well made mm. yes it's so well made I've not heard anyone who's played it and has come away like going, you know, uh, that was fine. Or like, certainly not heard anyone be like, that was bad. But like, you know, there's always something that people who've played it have loved about it. Mm. Like, yeah, absolutely incredible game. Sometimes it feels like it's really easy to take Mario games for granted because he's always there. He's always been around. But like Odyssey, it does prove that it's a franchise that's constantly innovating and reinventing itself. It's never content to just settle into a like a formula mm. like most gaming ips will get into a groove and they just stagnate mm. for like the rest of their run <coughs> call of duty <laughs> but a new mario game like it always feels fresh like i don't think there's been a bad mainline super mario game ever like no. they've all been either really fucking good or era defining masterpieces mm. and that's an insane track record for any mm. game mm -hmm. franchise but nintendo just like that they they're very gameplay oriented. They're not everything else is just kind of like an aside, but like they're very focused on making sure it plays really nicely and there's always something new for you to do at every new stage. Mario Odyssey is like the perfect example of that. Every time you come to a new area, there's something new you mm. can do. It's just amazing to think of a game character with this kind of consistency, but also always surprising mm. you. And that's something Mario's got that I don't think anyone else has I'll tell you what as well with 
all things considered and how old it is, um, a relatively limited roster of villains, really. Mm. Like, yeah. especially of the big ones. But yeah, I also just wanted to make sure I got in there that I really, really love how Odyssey also really doubles down on Bowser's intent <laughs> to marry Peach. Like, yeah. that's his whole reason for what he's doing. I'm like, yes, here for it. I love that. I love the Amiibos that came out for that. We got the <laughs> full three, but me and Peachy already have decided that when we eventually have our wedding, we will have the Mario and Peach in their wedding outfits on the top of our cake. That just has oh. to be a thing. That's, that's we it. have cosplayed as so Mario and Peach. Obviously, Peachy is a pro Peach cosplayer and has done ridiculous <laughs> versions, but I have done my fair share of Marios to go alongside. So Incredible. <laughs> as much as I'd love to do a Bowser, I'm not really big enough, but <laughs> I'm, I'm shorter than her, so doing Mario is easy for me. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. I love that. Also, I feel like it says a lot, as an aside, of the quality of Odyssey that Mario Kart 8, which is the best-selling game on the Switch, in fact, as of the end of last year, um, it sold 52 million copies, which is essentially the entire population of England. That's like if every single person in England owned Mario Kart 8 (laughs) Deluxe on the Switch. Wow. Which is, like, insane to me. It's entirely possible as well. And yet, the thing we talk about, the raving about, is Odyssey. Yeah. Which is sold yeah. about half that. All the spin-offs and stuff, they're always generally entertaining, good, but it's the things you get really excited about are the, the main Mario games because they usually only you only usually get like one a generation mm. and they always make it worth it and it's something you talk about for the entire generation. There's AAA games that will come out and you forget most of it by the time the next big game comes out. But with the Mario games, it's always in your mind. You're always thinking about what you did in that game and it lasts until the next Mario game comes out. There's just insane staying power. There's there's masterpieces, mm. basically. After Mario Odyssey, Nintendo have steadily been releasing Mario titles, uh, including a lot of remasters of 3DS and Wii U games that never really got to find their audience on those systems because they didn't sell quite as well as the DS and the Wii. And that brings us to the year 2023 with the release of the Super Mario Brothers movie, which at the time of recording is getting real close to hitting a billion dollars. Wow. It just appears like general audiences are really liking it. There's no competition, but people wouldn't go and see it if they didn't like it. And I enjoyed it. It's inoffensive. It's very much designed for yes. kids. Like my, my, my little one fucking loved it. She said, well, that was amazing. Like in the most, she's very prone to sarcasm but that was the most sincere <laughs> like level of enthusiasm i've ever heard from her she was, she was absolutely in love with it as soon as the film started as soon as the music started <laughs> so so my son is autistic and definitely has quite a lot of sensory processing disorder like uh, sensory processing issues around sound in particular and like all of the trailers and stuff and we could see that he was like scrunching up like a little ball of anxious like like he was stimming like bad kind of stimming like it was getting like a lot as it often does like the cinema is a thing that Mm. he enjoys but all of that build up before the film starts and like of course films now have like about 30 to 40 minutes of guff (laughs) before you actually get to see the thing (laughs) yes and i have never seen any human like unravel like like it it went turned into one of those blow ups outside of like car places, the wiggly armed things. <laughs> just yeah. just pure 
undulating joy like Ooh. he was like doing the um like as if he was a conductor with like the soundtrack <laughs> and, and honestly like we weren't sat like he wasn't sat he was just sat with us so it's like we like he wasn't making a sound he was just utterly delighted throughout <laughs> like it brought tears to my eyes <laughs> like i was just like that film i, I thought it was fine it like, <laughs> like like andy said it's a kid's film yes. and that's fine there were bits that i you know that you got the little moments out of it would much rather have seen luigi in a horror film for sure <laughs> um yeah. it could still happen like, it could still happen oh, 100%. It could still happen. We could get a Nintendo verse. You never know. Jack Black as Bowser is obviously like perfection. But like, yeah, to see my son just like just exploding in his seat with just the happiest of stims, <laughs> just pure, pure little mini gamer nerd joy. It's <laughs> um, yeah. like the best thing ever i'm pretty sure my partner said that i was watching him more than i was watching the Aww. film at times because he was just <laughs> he just loved every second of it and that's like where you go do you know what actually yeah sometimes a film can be for kids and that's yes. fine yeah yeah um i loved it. i got it to enjoy the music all of the little notes and hits back to all of the stuff i loved you know over the years yep. that was that was that was my that was that was my version of it it's and that was fine i was just gonna say i had a similar experience well not i don't have a child I didn't have that similar experience but in terms of like I I went to see it with some friends and yes I could sit here and niggle and complain about certain bits and things in it but at the end of the day you're right you know I accept this is a film that's definitely targeted more at children and not me who's 33 and should know better but (laughs) it was I had enough fun to enjoy it to be just to be able to play literal where's wally of nostalgia that's my enjoyment of it i was just enjoying all the little things that they put in it all the references throughout not just to mario to other nintendo franchises as well and even i was having fun guessing what was gonna come like being like oh are they gonna do that oh there it is you know and things (laughs) like that and seeing it coming and the soundtrack uh whoever was responsible for the soundtrack was brilliant like the the little remixes of different mario music from across the games like not just picking one but like picking up different music from everything and being like oh that's i know what that is and all that's from that bit you know it's that was really fun as well and i think i did i know because the rainbow road on the snes means a lot to me so when that music kicked in i did tear up just a little bit because i was like i know this but yeah it it was it's a very good film considering that it's made by illumination but it's a it's a good film (laughs) and hopefully it paves the way maybe for even more for nintendo now to be a little bit braver with franchises getting movies or tv shows you know me and my friends had a massive in-depth discussion after it about what we could do with zelda and how amazing that could be you know and it was like you could make a nintendo verse that could culminate in a smash movie you know there's like there's all sorts of things that they could do and i think this is a really good starting point perhaps for the future of cinema with nintendo maybe so it's inoffensive to me
the massive success of the Mario movie leads me to like the big question of the episode. It's about Mario's place as a cultural icon. Is there a bigger video game icon than Mario? Where does he rank in like the wider culture as well? My litmus test for any character, any cultural, like whether it comes from games or comics or just, you know, any pop culture that I am interested in and partake in is does my mother know how they are (laughs) (laughs) yes god love her she does not care for pop culture at all but yeah obviously knows who mario is like aside from it was the thing i was obsessed with it's obviously a thing my son is also obsessed with it's literally like seeing me like second time around i imagine from that perspective Mm -hmm. do i think he is I think he's one of the biggest crossovers into general culture, I reckon. Like, my mum knows what games consoles are because we grew up with them. Has she ever played one? I don't think other than the Wii. No. So, you know, to know who Mario is, uh, I mean, he's everywhere now, right? And even before the movie was coming out, I think that's part of the reason the movie exists at all is like, you know, he's everywhere. <laughs> so, so yeah, we, we kind of touched on this in the Tomb Raider episode, right? Of the same thing. It's like those people who, like Mario will have definitely been on the cover of non-gaming magazines. 100% yeah. guaranteed yeah. as a character he has been in that position. Has his own theme park now. <laughs> Not many characters have that. no. Yeah, when like I, I'm, I want to learn. I reckon like if you were doing pointless, I think he would be a completely non-pointless answer. I think everyone would know who he is. I reckon <laughs> you if would you asked, but like you, I would imagine like you know it would be like one of the worst scoring answers on pointless in the sense of like you know if they ask however many people, like the majority of them would say Mario. Yeah, as a yeah. who's a famous video game character. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine many more more famous. Uh, Lara Croft being one, but I think people would call her Tomb Raider, which wouldn't happen <laughs> yeah. with Mario. Yeah. Sonic possibly up there, but still less so. I feel like no, I I can't I can't imagine anyone else. I feel like Link mm. would get mentioned, but they'd he'd be miscalled as Zelda. Zelda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> but like for instance, my original litmus test, my mother would not have a clue who Link or Zelda are. Yes. So mm, same. Whereas Mario and Luigi, the Super Mario Brothers, hundred percent. Yeah, and I I think, you know, just returning to, like, the popularity of the Wii and Mario Kart and things, I think that was probably responsible for bringing a lot of people in culturally to kind of all of those characters because you had people who didn't play video games would play Mario Kart because it was a fun thing for everyone to do together. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have that cultural osmosis of people playing games that they wouldn't normally play games because they were fun, and therefore they'd know who, you know... Mario is, who Luigi is, all of the the kind of the roster of all the various characters that that you can play as. So even if, you know, they don't necessarily know any of the lore or the the other games or the backstory, there's still that kind of public consciousness of these characters. I mean, I'm sat here now looking at a Super Mario World poster that's up on our living room wall (laughs) and um, a Mario plush that um, my partner brought back from GDC in San Francisco that he got. So, mm. you know, obviously we we are surrounded by him as an icon, but I think, yeah, there's, there is enough cultural awareness now of him as a figure and, and, you know, all of the different characters that, you know, I don't think he's going away anytime soon as a pop culture icon and judging by the movie doing gangbusters, um, <laughs> you know, I think we're probably in for a new kind of level of awareness that, wasn't there before i always think when i think of mario as a as an icon something so magical about him that and yes i said the word magical bear with me (laughs) um something that's so so great about 
it's it's Mario and Nintendo as a kind of sandwich is the fact that everyone it's it's the accessibility that comes with Mario and Nintendo there's we've had the console wars you know that still go on you know Microsoft players and Xbox players and so uh, PlayStation players constantly arguing with each other about which one is better PC gamers just folding their arms and laughing in the background but then <laughs> nobody ever gets Nintendo involved because everyone's kind of just said, well, Nintendo's just here and they do their own thing. But I always think that's just some people's cloaking way of saying, you know, I have my, my PlayStation 5 and I love it, but I also have a Switch because Nintendo. You know, it's like the Switch and the Wii just kind of snuck their way into everyone's houses alongside whatever else you chose to game on because everyone likes to play them it's not just the hardcore gamers who will mm. argue with each other but their families yeah. as well my like like bash said my mum knows who mario is i went to see the movie and the first message on my phone was from my mum and my sister saying how was the mario movie you know it was like they know and it's and i know for a fact as well that if i were to say when it comes out on dvd go over my parents house and say hey you want to watch the mario movie they would say yes and they would have just as much fun as me being like oh i remember that from that game and that from that you know i don't think there's any other game franchise that i could say that about that would mean so much to them as well it's just he's had such staying power and i don't think that's something that you could just delete I think that's mm. going to stay for a long time as long as Nintendo continue to handle Mario as a franchise well, which they have done so well in the past. I can't see them ruining it now because he probably means a lot to them as well. You know, I, I remember the Olympic Games. They had Mario as part of their opening ceremony. Mm. You know, Japan respect Mario as well in their own culture and how much everybody knows him and people will be laughing all over the world being like oh it's the me you know it's like <laughs> it, it's 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 nothing else i i've had the pleasure of meeting charles martinez he was at a convention i was at and the queue to get a sign from him was longer than any other voice actor or actor who was at that event his queue was the longest one it was ridiculous <laughs> And he was, he's such a lovely man as well. I, and it was free as well, I think. So that probably had something to do with it. But just the, the mile long line of people who <laughs> was just like, I need to meet this man. He is my childhood. You know, it's like, it was, it was incredible. And yeah, Mario is cemented, I think, in gaming history. I, I don't think, I think anyone says video games, you'll just remember Mario. Even if he's retired, he'll still be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and especially because he has none of the controversy attached to him like Lara Croft does, who probably is the only real comparable figure in pop culture. You know, we touched on this in our episode and all the hideous research I had to do into all the sexist marketing that they had to do for for her character. You know, mm. Mario has never had to be rehabilitated, even after the... <laughs> Even after Bob Hoskins, you know, they've never had to do a kind of refit of Mario <laughs> to make him more palatable for wider audiences. He's just, it's, and I think that, like Orange was saying, that kind of staying power and the fact they have treated him so well as a character down the years, you know, it's, mm. uh, he's not going anywhere. You really feel the love 
behind the creation the, the the way they look after him at nintendo you just really feel that like it's not just hey he's our major money maker it just really feels like they genuinely love and care about this character and they don't yeah. want to just you know put him through some awful horrible things just for the sake of making a buck i mean he had he does have his fair share of bizarre spin-off games but it still always comes back to games like odyssey where they really put their heart and soul into it and yeah it's that love i think that nintendo have for him is probably one of the things that does keep him going so strongly so i think like miyamoto is the jim henson of video games (laughs) he's a genius and he's been responsible for so many of the most enduring and beloved characters in gaming not just like the franchises not just the games but the characters they're the things that people latch onto because they're in usually very well designed games because he's like i said a genius but i don't think any other game creator has this kind of score sheet that miyamoto has and mario is very clearly his greatest achievement mario is untouchable as a game character i always said just almost flawless run of games some weird like you say weird side stuff but the main (laughs) games have been just labors of love there's been no cynicism applied to any of them but it's always how can we make the most entertaining game for our audience and they just always want to take the next step forward so being attached to quality definitely helps mario but like you said your your parents know who mario is my grandma knows who mario is (laughs) she would call an Xbox a Nintendo, but she knows Mario. <laughs> I mean, the fact she would call an Xbox a Nintendo is because of Mario. <laughs> he's just, he's a part of culture. He's not just a video game niche. Like, like a, you know, like Kratos. Like, mm. he's very much a thing that video game people know mm. about. Mario is a thing that everybody knows about, even people that haven't touched a game possibly their entire lives. He's just, he's just always there and like the games industry in the west like is the way it is right now because of mario mm. like after the market crash of 83 are we all here sat talking about video games on a podcast if mario doesn't exist we can't possibly know but it's very strange to imagine gaming without mario everybody associates mario with video games he's just i'd possibly argue he's almost as recognizable as like mickey mouse or kermit the frog mm. oh, 100%. after the yes. movie possibly just as recognizable yeah, yeah i would agree with that like so he's the video game's biggest icon but i do think he is up in the top tier of cultural icons in general like he's just a character that just transcends the medium that he exists mm. in he's just a part of everything i i just love him i love all the characters i want to dress up me and me and my son morgan as either mario and luigi or wario and waluigi <laughs> for his first halloween, yes. his first proper halloween. he would make a very cute toad i'm just saying <laughs> he would like caroline would probably like to dress you should him do him as one of the babies like a baby mario oh my god <laughs> that would be so cute i mean i I went to a Comic Con and I not I don't lie to you, there was a Mario family where there was a mum, a dad, a baby, and I think a little girl, and all of them were cosplaying as Mario. The ladies were doing slightly gender bent versions, so they had like long hair and then like short dungarees instead of trousers, and the little baby had a fake mustache on. They were they were just entirely Mario family and it was just the cutest thing. I was like, that is cosplay goals right there if you've got a family. That can't get much better than that. It's amazing. <laughs> I also have to say I'm really relieved the Mario movie turned out to be a big hit because it did make the premise of this episode a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> oh thank god people do like Mario. Okay. We're not just wasting our time. <laughs> 
So that's about it for our Super Mario episode. Thank you so much for listening. If this is your first time with us, please do subscribe to us on your preferred podcasting platform uh, to catch up with us on all our other audio goodness that we've been putting out. Uh, if you're a long-time listener, thank you for sticking with us for this long and like maybe recommend us to a friend or family or maybe a co-worker that you don't particularly hate or <laughs> even ones you hate. I don't care. I don't know. I'm not invested in your relationships. Just do what you like. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at one Pod. That's one U P P odd. Bash, where can they find you? Uh, Bash at Demonhead on things. And Becky, what about you? Becky Greasley on Twitter and Instagram. And finally, Orange. But primarily Orange and Peachy on Twitch. I don't remember any of my other social medias, but that's where I spend the most of my time. So there you go. And f- follow and subscribe because she's wonderful. No. Yes, she stop. does very yeah. stuff. 100% is. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. One of if, my favourites. Aw. If you're lucky, you may catch a stream that's got the elusive peachy on it. <gasps> there is one coming soon. I don't know exactly when, but we have promised to play Sitting Ducks multiplayer, so it's sure to be a nightmare, but very <laughs> funny. So <laughs> that's going to If it can soon. reach the heights of you playing Tomb Raider blindfolded, <laughs> oh, walks you through it. <laughs> like, I, I think that's my favourite still. <laughs> Orange and Peachy together stream because that was just chaos on a whole other level. It was incredible. <laughs> it just, was a lot of fun. I yeah, can't was, deny yeah. it. I still have the 62 step guide that she wrote. In, yep, my, yep. in my room I want to get it framed and put on the wall as a reminder oh, that definitely should. she wrote a 62 yeah. step how to get through the first level of Tomb Raider 3 <laughs> bless her is that archived or any because I'd like to watch that it's not I've been meaning to I do have it I downloaded it from Twitch so I will upload it because I know it's one that a lot of people oh, nice. want to see <laughs> the, the most clips I think of my channel came from that stream there's such yeah, I've classics. seen clips. Yeah, like it's, it's something. Oh my social. <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> this is going well. You can find me on Twitter at truly underscore defective. Uh, we'll see you again soon. I've forgotten to write down what our next episode's going to be. Does anyone remember? Yes, our next episode to coincide in theory with Mental Health Awareness Month is the games that saved us. Oh yeah. I'm really looking forward to this episode. Mm. You know, we've done the games that made us, the games that made us poop our pants, poop our pants, <laughs> going a, a going on you know like a hard um, turn in the opposite direction of that for a very sincere episode of the games that saved us. Yeah, it's gonna be emotional, folks. I'm excited for that. I'm gonna have to listen to it though when I'm not working because I'm probably gonna start crying. So I don't, <laughs> don't want to be typing an invoice and just like tears in my eyes, like oh. <laughs> and Sasha saved this outro by remembering what the next episode's gonna be, so I'm quite relieved about that. <laughs> You're welcome. So yeah, again, thank you for listening to us. We really appreciate it, every single one of you. We will see you soon. And in the meantime, don't forget to get a life and play video games. Maybe some Mario games. <laughs> <laughs>